In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bogleman. I'm Corwin Kroll. I'm Myron Rumsey. And I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 236. This is our State of the Green Lantern Union panel discussion show. Uh, we've been teasing this one for a couple of episodes now. Uh, Mark, I think it was originally Mark's idea, and we finally brought it to fruition. Now, first things first, we wanted to uh, address it. We, we wanted to have our good friend Sean Engel on the show, but Sean is uh, sick and recuperating in the hospital at the moment. So unfortunately, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't uh, make it onto the recording. But he sends his best wishes and is in his uh, feeling a whole lot better. So just best wishes from all of us. Continued recovery for you, Sean. Hope you're feeling better. Absolutely. Get better. All right. So some uh, listeners to the show will know Corwin. But first, uh, first things first, appearing for the first time ever on our show is Myron. Myron, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell him, tell him why you're a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> In a thousand words or less. I don't mean that sarcastically. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm necessarily a big deal, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I run a website called The Blog of Voa. Uh, I co-host the podcast of Voa, and I run a Blog of Voa YouTube channel. So I've been doing this for about six years or so. That's uh, yeah. We're all fans of uh, of the Blog of Voa. I think. Man, I remember I remember when the site first came out, and I was just like, holy crap, there's a, there's a whole site dedicated to this. Yeah, we do the podcast, but wow, <laughs> someone started a whole site, and you're extremely meticulous about it. So I give you all the props in the world for that. Well, well thank uh, you. It's, it's kind of my love letter to the Green Lantern franchise. Um, for those that don't know my backstory, I, I was born with a very rare birth defect, and uh, the Green Lantern franchise, and, and Hal Jordan in particular, got me through a lot of really rough uh, medical spells and it really inspired me to overcome a lot of challenges. So I, I felt at some point I had to give something back because I owed the guy something, you know, but it's a love letter. I, I did not know that. That's very nice. And, uh, and we had, we had Cor we had to have Corwin come on, not only because he's a, a, a regular listener of our show, He's also a huge uh, lantern fan himself. Well, a specific lantern, <laughs> and and also a fellow podcaster. So we, we we definitely had to bring him on for his unique perspective as well. Cor, why don't you go ahead and plug your stuff for just real quick and why why you're on the show? Um, basically, I'm from Earth's Mightiest Podcast, where we review all the Avengers books as well as EMX, where we talk about all the X Men books. And uh, work with a podcast, which is all about Deadpool, but I stumbled upon Green Lantern stuff through basically the Sinestro Corps War and kind of went back and uh, learned everything there was to learn about the Lanterns. And to this day, Sinestro is one of my favorite Lanterns, if not my favorite Lantern. <laughs> 
and just for those of you listening to this show uh, for the first time, because uh, you're coming over from the blog or podcast of Oa or from one of uh, Corwin's uh, various Avengers or X-Men uh, related uh, entities, uh, just breaking down my personal history uh, real quick. I started reading Green Lantern with the Rage of the Red Lantern's Final Crisis one-shot special. Uh, and from there started, uh, well, regularly. Uh, previously, I had bought Volume 2 of the Showcase Edition, the black and white format, and Green Lantern Rebirth. Uh, and from there, started collecting everything, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, uh, reading into not only Green Lantern's backstory and back matter, but also getting into comics history as a whole. Um, especially, specifically the Comics Code Authority and stuff like that. So I've only been at this for, uh, I guess it's been a couple of years now, now that I look back on it. But uh, I'm relatively new to this, but I am extremely, extremely passionate about it, for sure. What about you, Mark? Eh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to be stupid. I'm sorry. Uh, well, my background for Green Lantern, again, uh I pretty much got into Green Lantern. I really got into Green Lantern because of the reign of the Superman, actually. So I really didn't start reading Green Lantern regularly until Kyle took over. And then because of Hal being Parallax, that kind of got me greatly interested in Hal. So I actually became a Hal Jordan fan through Kyle. So I basically retroactively kind of collected a lot of stuff, at least through the beginning of Volume 3 and going back to get getting more Silver Age stuff because of that. I, actually, I, I ended up on this show because I, originally because I created a Facebook game. Based on Blackest Night, which is which is kind of funny because that memory just popped up on my Facebook page not that long ago, which kind of which was the anniversary of my first appearance on the show. I think it was like episode 39. So and so that's how I became part of the Lantern Cast family. And then, like Chad kind of alluded to, at least we've been we've been doing this for right around two full years now on our own. So following <laughs> Dan and Jim's footsteps. That's right. You guys make me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, I am old, so you know. Well, so am I. So we, we make everybody else feel young. Maybe, maybe that's maybe that's our benefit. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so uh, the way this is going to work, guys. Um, obviously, we all have various different ways we approach our shows. Mark and I do one thing. Myron does his own thing. Corwin does his, uh, another thing. So what we're going to do is break this show into sort of three different parts. Where the Green Lantern universe is uh, uh, currently and what we think about it, where it is heading, and what we would like to see from it. Um, and, and just kind of have a general discussion there. Now, we do not intend to be extremely hypercritical and negative about what is currently happening. Obviously, if something has been happening consistently in a title and it's been bothering us and is hindering us from enjoying that particular title for several issues, as opposed to just a single panel instance or something like that, then we'll obviously bring it up. But this is more of where we are and not a hate podcast. <laughs> so so this is all intended to be constructive, uh, open-minded. We're, we're definitely not trying to hate on anything if we do, in fact, mention anything negative. That, the counter to that should be if somebody really wants to – they're really passionate about their quote-unquote criticism, then True. they should not have – I personally, my personal opinion is I don't want anyone to feel like they have to rein it in and be PC just because – because of that little disclaimer, if you if you really want to if you really think there's a certain aspect or a certain storyline or whatever that's been like going on or hanging over our heads or just you didn't like at the time, 
you can feel free to use any appropriate amount of venom if you feel it's necessary. <laughs> so what you're saying is not everybody absolutely loves everything that's happening right now? <laughs> well, nobody ever loves anything. 100% loves anything. We know that. So, but, but yes, I think it's fair to say that I'm sure with at least the four of us that uh, there's going to be some areas of the Green Lantern universe as it currently is constructed that we are not 100% fond of. <laughs> Uh, so just to kick things off, regular listeners of our show will obviously have heard Mark and I's thoughts on the Green Lantern universe when we do current issue reviews for the month of, you know, X month, whatever month it is we're covering. So for those of you who have heard us ad nauseum, Myron, why don't you start off and tell us what you're thinking currently is with regards to the Lantern books? Well, you know, if you if you look back over Green Lantern history, the, the the quality and the success of the books have been very cyclical. It's very much like a sine wave. And I think, you know, we came off of the Jeff Johns era at a very high point. And, you know, the sales have gone down, obviously, when you have a big name creator leaving. But the books as themselves aren't bad, but really they've they've taken what Jeff Johns has done and have, have did over his tenure and kind of uh, deconstructed what he's been doing. So, you know, right now, the, the whole books are kind of in a state of flux. You've got over with the Lost Army, you've got the Green Lantern Corps kind of off on their own and hell and this whole renegade phase. And Kyle, you know, Kyle's pretty much up in the air at this point. It, it's, I don't know what you guys think about the whole um, Omega Men series, but <laughs> it's it's a little a little nebulous. Uh, you know, I, I talked to Tom King at the Baltimore Comic Con, and he was saying that this is an epic Kyle Rayner story. So I went back and read it, and I'm like, uh, okay, <laughs> so yeah. I'm not sure what you guys feel about it, but right now it seems like we're kind of in that that lull, and, and I'm hoping we get an upswing again. For for Omega Man, and the only reason I I jump in here is because I actually downloaded the first five issues of that today, and just kind of flipped through it, uh, only really paying attention to the Kyle Rayner specific parts. Uh, it irritated me greatly. <laughs> uh, the, the, the Tom King, first and foremost, he wrote a book called The Once Crowded Sky. Phenomenal. His Grace, his work on Grayson, the series Grayson, has been touted as you know it's one of the best books DC is putting out right now uh, from a lot of people. I personally haven't read it, but I've heard a, a great many longtime DC Comics fans who's actually stopped reading DC altogether a little while after the New Fifty Two hit started back into DC with Grayson. So props to him for that. But when we left Kyle Rayner, he was a white lantern. who was kind of starting his own core. He was with Carol. And I feel it's important here to, 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 to stress if you're not caught up on the, the lantern titles, we'll probably be dropping spoilers. So heads up, there's your heads up that we're having spoilers, but evidently in the Omega men series, before Kyle got to where he was, Carol died. He let it affect him, and he gave up his ring willingly to enter the Vegas system to figure things out. I mean, like, that's that's not my Kyle Rayner. But um, <laughs> I, I I didn't catch the part about Carol being dead. What, I I missed that altogether. I heard I, there's, I, I heard that somewhere else too. I haven't read the did book, you? but I heard I did hear that someone said that Carol supposedly died in, in, in the Omega Men series too. But. I struggled, to be honest. I struggled. And I've been reading comics for over 40 years. I struggled reading the, the first couple of issues of that series. It was just a little dense and a little hard to follow what was going on. I think a lot of that was the the alien speak that was in there. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think people were turned off 
right away when you know the preview came out and it looked like Kyle was beheaded. <laughs> I think a lot of people were like, "Oh, well, this isn't going to be good," and they they kind of like didn't give the book a chance. And people seem to love it, but the sales numbers are really not there. You know, when I interviewed Tom, he said this was going to be a great Kyle Rayner story, and he was just finding out that the book had been renewed. Uh, you know, it was not going to be killed off at six issues, and he was rearranging and rewriting and, and going through all that story structure. And he, I, I hope it comes out good for Kyle. I'm, I'm not, you know, full disclosure, I'm not a Kyle guy. Uh, I, I was a card-carrying member of Heat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not not that I was anti-Kyle, but he just he didn't resonate for me personally. But I never wanted to see anything happen to him, like what they put Hal through during Neville Twilight. I don't think, as, as comic book fans, anybody wants to see their favorite character go through those kinds of things unless they know that this is a temporary story and i'm going to enjoy the ride but i i hope for kyle fans that that he comes out on top it's funny i read the first issue of well skimmed the first issue of omega man i was like okay this is something that i know i'm just going to have to wait until it's pretty much done and power through the whole thing i don't think i have the patience or the attention span to really read it monthly threshold anybody <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just got nauseous. <laughs> We're just recovering, so we feel your pain. <laughs> Corwin, what are you feeling about the Lantern titles right now? Um, right now, oh, it's 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 tough. Um, I like the fact that they're trying to do something different with Hal. Um, hashtag not my Green Lantern, but. Um, <laughs> They get props for that, just like the post-Johns when Core really tried to go into the history and look at different angles of things that they may have passed on or not really ex- fully explored, you know, the whole uh, – the girl from the prophecy, the whole uh, Von Daggle. I-, I like that stuff there when they actually – it wasn't as good as the John stuff, but they tried. Currently, it just seems like they're, they're a bit lost. I think Sinestro is like the only stable – book we have right now um amen <laughs> you know lost lanterns is just okay they they, they need to get to the point that they, they need to speed things up a little bit to give us a little bit more because it, it feels decompressed and stretched out and well lost like they are but i guess maybe that's the point and, and now that series is done and i don't well, think you guys read the issue no i didn't no. i didn't read it yet uh, um, i did yeah, I, I don't know how to take that ending. <laughs> well, there's there's another miniseries that's right. picking up on the end of that, right? Right, yep. right, right. Edge of Oblivion. Well, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of appropriate, though, considering. <laughs> well, I just, you know, I, I, in terms of things just sort of uh, in a way place where we're just kind of in limbo, I think Mark and I addressed this a while back. Remember, Mark, we were talking about how I think – all of the Lantern titles are kind of waiting for the the core to come back into the universe until the Sinestro core establishes itself as as the peacekeeping force in the universe. Like they're waiting to see yes. what happens before they decide to go forward with it. Like everything else is just in this holding pattern until we get to this critical storytelling juncture that we're supposed to get to before things can branch out from there. Yes, the domino theory. That's got to be that. Dom- that domino has to fall fall over first before we get the core coming back and before we have you know all that, all that stuff. So, yeah, I think you're you're dead on about that. So a lot of the books, 
See, the Lost Army at least has more, theoretically, had had more flexibility because they could tell any story they wanted based on where they were and when when they were, since we since we know their their time lost besides being you know, not in our just taken out of our universe. And as we already talked about, we know Chad and I are in agreement about part of what gets part of what's been in that book that really hasn't worked and kind of has slowed the story down. So I don't that book could have been a lot more. So you have kind of going back to what we talked about before. I, in previous episodes, you had to think maybe DC just wasn't happy with the way that story was being told, which is why they knew they had to finish the story, but the, but they, they decided not to have Bun finish the story. <laughs> and, and it worries me too that they pulled it from him. Hopefully, it doesn't affect his other work. Even though I know you guys aren't really well, I'm not really that large of a fan of his Lobo stuff either. Not only only well, yeah, we've the Lobo Lobo as far as the the books that are Lantern centric. They seem to flow well. I don't. I don't kind of like what's going on in them, which is a good segue because I wanted to get back to something Myron said. Kind of like talking about the Omega Men. It's like things that are that, that that are that relevant to the Lantern universe, either with Kyle or Carol. They shouldn't be happening in, in a in a such a relatively quote unquote insignificant book like Omega Men. And it's kind of like the same thing with Lobo. All these Lanterns that are getting bumped off, even though yes, we know that most of the Reds didn't really get bumped off. But Rancor and Monk and a lot of these—it's like they shouldn't. This shouldn't be happening in a non-Lantern book where if you're not reading it, you know, you're not even going to know what the hell's going on. <laughs> and and why didn't he go after the Star Sapphires? Like he didn't touch them at all. Where are they? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, too. yeah. And that 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 kind of segue segues into a point that Mark and I have been waiting for the show to bring up uh, and to elaborate on and to go to go along with what he said. What do you guys feel? about how depowered the lanterns are in the universe now speaking specifically of omega men kyle rayner uh you know who was evidently a you know a white lantern but you know brought low and you know first of all kyle rayner has gone through alex jade his mother all of this stuff but carol's the one that makes him just lose his mind that's a whole nother thing but <laughs> and most people know how we feel, certainly how I feel, but I think Chad's in the same boat, how we feel about the whole Carol-Kyle relationship yeah, to begin yeah. with. If, if, yeah. if Kyle, Kyle, regardless of whether he's a Green Lantern or a White Lantern, but sorry, Tom, he was a White Lantern, um, Kyle shouldn't be easily relieved of his ring by, by a, uh, a, a group of Omega men. Uh, Lobo shouldn't be able to kill top-tier Lanterns. Uh, you know, I kind of feel like a long time ago, and, and listeners of the show will know that Denny O'Neill is a great hero of mine. Denny O'Neill is responsible for writing the Batman Bible at DC, that which has been added to over the years, but basically a kind of group of set rules that, you know, kind of constitute a Batman story. I'm wondering kind of along those lines, just kind of tossing the idea out there and see, you know, what comes up with it. I'm wondering if we need a Green Lantern Bible. What do these rings do? How do they interact with each other? You know, what does it take to overcome, you know, a Yellow Lantern Corps member? You know, what does it take to overcome a, you know, um, a inexperienced Yellow Lantern member like Sora versus what does it take to overcome Sinestro? I, I feel like there's not any consistency, despite how much these books try to cross over. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's no consistency, even though they are still crossing over. Very true. 
Well, you know, and, and DC's got this whole loosey-goosey continuity thing going on right now, and it's difficult when you don't have continuity in families of books. I mean, if when you read Green Lantern Lost Army number six, what happens at the end of the book doesn't jive with what we just saw in Green Lantern number 46. Right. You know, so there, there's those kind of issues where you don't even have continuity among the same family of books, let alone artistic continuity. I mean, how many times do we have to see yellow boots or, excuse me, white boots and the ring on the wrong hand? And, yep. you know, there, there needs to be, I, I don't know what an editor does in a comic book, but in my mind, an editor should be catching this kind of stuff and, and trying to force some kind of consistency amongst the books. Yep. Yeah, I think, I mean, we go back to Kyle as a White Lantern. Kyle's powers as a White Lantern were so like up in the air. I mean, I mean they don't they talk about not jibing. It's like I still I still remember at the end of Wrath of the at the end of Wrath of the First Lantern when he was this close to friggin' bringing Korrigor back, and essentially they couldn't bring him back supposedly because they just didn't want to come back. You know, they, they, that they basically he was opening the door, but they, he needed them to wa- basically want to walk back through, and they didn't. And then you get to the last issue of the story when Kyle, when Carol's like, "Oh, you can resurrect how? Oh, I can't do that. I can't resurrect." That's what White Lantern Rings did originally. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I mean, I know, he, and we kind of, and we've talked about this before. It's like, it you could explain it away because he did not get the White Ring in a traditional way. He got it by you know, kind of like absorb, act, becoming a mass, quote unquote, master of the emotional spectrum, as opposed to just being gifted the white ring or being the host of the white entity. But still, I mean, it just, there should be some consistency with the power. And since it is the power of life, to say you can't resurrect, you can only heal. Well, no, blues were supposed to be able to heal. You're supposed to be able to resurrect. <laughs> so, I thought that, I honestly thought that was the whole point of Hal becoming a Black Lantern and Kyle being the White Lantern, because Kyle was going to resurrect Hal at the end of the storyline. <laughs> What do you guys feel about the Red Lanterns with how they've been treating that group? <sighs> a tro- <laughs> a, 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 you mean a, since a, since the series ended, Corwin, or just including the, how this, the wind down of the series? In, well, including now what they're doing with them. You know, the previous series compared to what they're doing with them now. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I don't think list, constant listeners of the Lantern cast uh, don't uh, aren't uh, particularly. Uh, shocked by the fact that the Milligan run of Red Lantern we weren't very happy with considering the soapbox atrocitus. Um, I, he's deep, man. He's deep. Uh, atrocitus while rage-filled is an ancient being. Uh, I mean, this is this is where this, this whole Lantern Bible concept comes into play for me. Like, atrocitus is an ancient being part of the five inversions or whatever the number was yep. mm-hmm. uh part part of the inversions started the red lantern core has beef with the guardians it's a whole thing you know his power yes is based in rage but when you've been exposed to that emotion for that long for instance uh don't uh, i don't ask me the name of the storyline but when sinestro was a green lantern and they went to uh, the indigo home world and Indigo, you know, all the Indigo rings went offline. And Indigo was the one who was, Indigo 1 was the one, since she had been exposed to the ring for longest, she was her uh, reintegration or whatever was actually the one that took hold and everybody else reverted back to being insane criminals. Like, I feel like the, the Lanterns who are more experienced should, you know, have, or be immune to certain, you know, effects, like, you know, Yes, Atrocitus should be going off the deep end every now and then when something really, really, really sets him off. But he shouldn't still be 
at times a mindless rage filled monster. That's part of the reason you're so threatened and you're like, go, oh shit, when Sinestro shows up. Because rather than just being a yellow lantern, this is Sinestro. Like, this guy knows, you know, shout out to your boy, Corwin. But this guy knows every in and out of this ring, of the Green Lantern's ring. He knows everything. He is a force to be reckoned with because of how much experience he has. Not just how much power he has, how much experience he has. And things like that should also be applied to lanterns like Atrocitus. And I think that, you know, this is, this is, why, we, this is why consistency is so important, especially if you're going to say that we went from green lanterns to now we then we had yellow lanterns and the star sapphires were revealed to be a core and now it's this whole emotional spectrum well if we're going to keep the emotional spectrum if we're going to keep the universe uh, this side of the universe as big as it is there needs to be consistency otherwise you're going to lose me every time a creative team changes so in order in order to accept a world in which these fantastic things happen, there has to be kind of rules about how this universe works and you've got to be consistent within that. I mean, one of the things that Jeff Johns did talk about was that the further away you get from the center of the emotional spectrum, the more the emotion controls you, then you control the emotion. But at the same time, like you said, Chad, people that are like atrocities who have mastered the emotion. Yeah. He's not going to be watching the view and, and <laughs> sipping tea, but at the same time, he, he's not going to be just a, a bloodlust monster. And one of the things that they did was in the Red Lantern book, suddenly if you got dipped in the waiting pool, suddenly you were in control of everything. And I think that kind of took away a little bit about what the, the threat of the Red Lanterns were. I think, yeah, I, I do. That's a good point, Myron. I think that's true. And going back to what when, – when Corwin asked, you know, what do we think of what's going on now – I, there are so many there are so many questions about when all, the whole Red Lantern storyline that just happened in Lobo. There are so many questions. It's like where did all, where did Atrocitus and Dexter come from since they were in, they were locked up the last time we saw them? It's like it's where did, blood magic. Yes, where, where did where did they come from to begin with? How did how did they get free? How how did the Rage Mother go from being destroyed by fear into being this rage filled you know walking power? Not just a Carrying the power battery on her shoulders, literally, but then also being able to, you know, kind of like puke out Red Lanterns and bring them back. And there's so many – there are interesting questions. It's like, and, yet, and all the stuff gets tossed in the middle of Lobo and you – and it doesn't make a – and it doesn't make that much sense. And along the line – and following up something what Chad said about – again, another shout-out to, to Corwin's boy here – when it comes to Sinestro, one of the things I always remembered was I liked when Mongo got his ring and he had the ring like – when he told the ring to tell him everything, basically everything the ring could do, and I think the ring told him it was going to take like 96 hours to do, and he says, I have plenty of time. Uh-huh. And he still didn't know everything there was to do because Sinestro screwed him up big time when they fought because he used the default on it and have the and, and have the rings like backfire on him. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's what the upper echelon lantern should be like. And, and so and that's one of the reasons, my, you know, I, I – I wax poetic about St. Walker because he's gotten the shaft so badly since oh, yeah. the new creative team has taken – I'm sorry. I mean I know Robert Venditti really says – you know, I believe that he likes St. Walker, but St. Walker has really gotten the shaft across the board since Jeff Johns left, not just with his whole core being destroyed, but the whole – this sad sack, depressed St. Walker is just not – it's not St. Walker. It's just not St. Walker. <laughs> Any thoughts on that? Feel free, because <laughs> I, I think he's changing his name from Brody to Mopey. <laughs> the eighth, the eighth dwarf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, 
I, I think it's kind of a, a, an interesting state of affairs when I think people are finding right now the most fun Green Lantern book is from IDW. That's right. I love that book. <laughs> Mistakes and all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is an it is an interest it is an interesting read, and, and I like the way they've integrated all you know the like like we're talking about them you know basically the 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 new guardians ha 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 uh, you know that ter- that that version of the new guardians <laughs> having and the, the revisiting blackest night and everything and yeah I, I I like that that's a it's a it's a fun storyline I think we're definitely gonna miss doing that book once it once once it's done. <laughs> well then let's we we let's see we talked about um. The whole change in the Red Lanterns. We talked about Saint Walker, um, Surfer Hal, or what do you guys call him? This this version of Hal. What what, what do we label him? Inspector Light. <laughs> like, like I, I don't think we label him anything, but he definitely has a Specter esque feel to him, doesn't he? Especially when the clo- especially when his trench coat's raised really high. <laughs> yeah, artistically, he's got a Specter esque. Yeah. I don't. I, 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 don't, I don't I don't mind them trying to push him into different territories and you know doing different things with him. I maybe if we had the core still around I wouldn't feel it wouldn't feel as just alien and and not, I don't want to say uninteresting but you know it doesn't feel like Hal. Hal's not the long-haired surfer dude type. He's you know he's kind of the clean-cut daredevil. I know they could have given him a crew cut and still accomplished the same effect, <laughs> or a flat top. It still would be different than his look. Well, yeah, I, give I him think... some scruff or something, you know. Yeah, you, yeah. you accomplish the you accomplish the same effect. Well, I like how he's trying to to be incognito, but he still has a mask on. <laughs> True. So this is a question. Actually, this just popped into my head because we're talking about Hal, and because Chad and I actually talked about this based on I think. Kind of like conflicting views, I think, from uh, listener feedback. Do you guys think that the core being ripped away right when Hal became a renegade? So, so the, which was you know the whole concept, obviously, of Hal becoming the renegade was so the core could kind of like Batman at the end of you know the Dark Knight, where Bat, he was going to be the scapegoat, and the people were going to they, they could kind of like focus on him and clear up their name by you know by making Hal the bad guy. Do you think that Hal's turn so far as Renegade has suffered, or do you think it wor- has worked better probably than if the core had been around during this, in the same time frame as Hal's turn? Do you think the core the core's absence, do you think it's hurt the, the Renegade story, or do you think it's helped it? I'd hmm. say it helped the Renegade story, but it's still counterproductive to his main goal. You know, he was trying to redeem the core, and them not being there doesn't help at all. They can't play the hero if they're not there. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think it's interesting that if you had the core there, would, would you have to spend every other issue with the core running after Hal? Um, so by having them kind of segregated from each other, it, it helps in, in one regard. But I almost felt like that the whole decision to make the Green Lantern Corps disappear wasn't coordinated back and forth with Venditti. I kind of wonder if Venditti had one thing in mind and then, you know, Colin Bunn's like, well, I'm going to do this with him. And, and Venditti was like, well, now what am I going to do? <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's hard to say. Even with Hal being a renegade, if the core was around, he wouldn't probably have to use his gauntlet as often as he do. It draws much attention to himself. He could have you know, tried to quietly slip away and just be gone. Well, obviously, without not without saying, you know, not spoiling it for you guys who haven't read Lost Army six yet uh, or five or whatever it is six. Uh, <laughs> six. <clears throat> for those of you who haven't read it, Myron, it's it's kind of evident that even if, 
when the core gets back, how being tracked down for being the scapegoat for all the stuff the Green Lantern Corps did while it was under his leadership is no longer the reason they're going to be going after Hal. Right? <laughs> you're, you're right. And, but you know, I, I'm still scratching my head over that. And again, I don't want to, we don't want to spoil it for people who haven't read it, but I'm not sure how, what happened there could even have happened. Okay, so, somebody tell me what happened, and we can edit this part out. <laughs> well, it's today's issue, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, and by the time you release this, it won't be new that's news true. Anyway, that is, but, That's true, too. I mean, But, um, yeah, John and the Green Lanterns go to the source wall, and there's a fissure in the wall, and so they peek through, and John sees Hal sealing up the source wall. <laughs> and then he says, Hal, you son of a bitch. Um so it makes it look like Hal was sealing them in, but I keep thinking, well, how can that even be? Because these guys aren't even in the same timeline as ours, and they're peeking through the source wall and seeing the future from the outside of the source wall looking in. Well, the source wall has always been nebulous. I mean, yeah, this is probably yeah. the first time in a great many years that anyone's – and this is the totally separate point, but the, the, the whole source wall thing kind of bothers me too because I'm a big fan of the Phantom Stranger. When they yeah. gave Phantom Stranger in Origin, it pissed me off because the whole point of the Phantom Stranger was what he was doing, not who he was. And like when Secret Origins did the their Secret Origins number, I think it was 10, did a Secret Origins uh, special on them. There were four different origins, and one of them could be true or none of them could be true. And that was that was the whole point. That was the, that was yeah. what was awesome about Phantom Stranger. Same thing with the source wall with me. For me, the source wall has always been this sort of nebulous thing. Like, I don't even know how the hell you're supposed to get to it. Like, does space just end at a certain point all the way throughout the universe? Can you go over it, but there's still more space? But it's just like, wh what? <laughs> if you just keep going left or right, is it going to go on forever? Like, what? Is it just a chunk in the middle of space? Like, I don't know what it is. And that can, was fine. Can you, can with you me. jump it like Evil Knievel? <laughs> <laughs> That, that was fine with me. You know, if you touch it, you get stuck. It's a source of supreme power. On the other side is, you know, maybe the, the life equation or the anti-life equation. It's a source of great power. But beyond that, it was just kind of this mystical, you know, this mystical red button. <laughs> Don't touch this. <laughs> and now they're giving, you know, background kind of, you know, they're giving more information on it without trying to give away too much. But it's, it's making the source wall part of something I don't want it to be a part of. I want I want the source wall to just have this nebulous history that it could be part of, you know, the Guardians did this or it could be part of another universe or it could be part of magic or, you know, it doesn't I don't want to know. I just want to know that there's this thing out there that nobody, no matter how powerful they are, nobody can mess with. Right. You know, it, it becomes kind of becomes less mystical if you take away that. That which is unknown and you make it known yep. is it doesn't it, does it retain the power that it had before in the imaginations of the readers. And, mm -hmm. you know, besides the point of John's looking through the, the, the gaping hole and and apparently not only looking through space and time, but then realizing that in Green Lantern 46, that isn't how the fissure got sealed up. That's so, it, you know, there's that whole continuity piece again of, of well, how was he even able to see that? A and then did he what he see even was that real? Well, maybe it hasn't happened yet. Maybe it's another. Yeah. One. Maybe maybe yeah. Maybe it's maybe that hole is gonna spring another leak because don't forget, our stuff are all, all kidding aside because we don't forget we realized something at the end of what uh, Godhead we know something came through it 
You know, we right, saw the hand right. or whatever. Something came through it. So there's something that was on the other side that came through. So maybe there's going to be another point when, you know, there has to be another little patch or something put on that wall or something has to be returned to it. But yeah, well, and the entities are supposed to be on the other side of the wall too. That yeah, is true. There's some where yeah, wherever the wherever the they're uh, not on the other side. They're within. Yeah, yeah wherever the source of the uh the, the what you call the reservoir is. Wasn't wasn't there supposed to be new ones being born as well or something? They never said that. I don't think. Which is something oh. we just kind of we hope. I mean, well, I I would hope that we'll, we're going to see them again in one sh- some shape or form. But there are new new forms. Th- that is true. Um, I had a question. Since we're talking about this, let me throw this out there. And since we've been talking about the source wall and different things that have been going on, for this again, for more for Myron and for Corwin, if you had to pick, of every. You know, and you don't have to do it for every book. Just if you could just do it as Green, Green Lantern as a whole, the franchise, the, the brand, the family. If you had to say one thing that in the post John's era, to up to this point, that has worked, and one thing that really, really, in your mind, hasn't worked, what would you say that that those things are? Why don't you go first, Corwin? What worked? Um... <laughs> I'm sorry, that just sounded funny. You know, that, that's why I, I said, Corwin, you go first, so it gives me a chance to think about it. Um, well, if, I'm going to say the Sinestro thing worked, because Sinestro, the character and what he's been doing, I think that has been working for me since his series launched. Uh, to me, that's probably been the most stable and best book. Um, I, I just really hope they don't lose direction and focus with it. Yes, Sinestro can really do some terrible things, but at the same time, I hope they balance the core out. Um, I know you guys hated the Dorlin War, but I think some of the stuff in core worked. The Von Daggle stuff, them them playing with stuff that Johns didn't touch on, them bringing different things back up like that, you know, the whole thing with John Stewart and the, the girl from the whole Tiger's Prophecy, I, I like them trying to play with those things and make those things significant even though they didn't quite work as well as they intended um what didn't work oh jeez you don't have to just you don't have to just pick one if it makes it easier a lot of it didn't work i think what we talked about earlier about things not being consistent i think that's probably what hurt it the most the whole red lanterns thing yeah maybe if they can blame atrocitus his mood swings and his his I mean, for a while there, when when Guy took over, Trusted just just became this big puss. It was just one sided, and and he just wasn't the the big scary character he was. Like you said, being eons old, being one of the original inversions, the the big mystical threat that he should have been. They really dumbed him down and made him a one dimensional character. So I think some of that stuff is where they really kind of fell off with consistency and and being true to who some of these characters are. Myron. I think in, th- in terms of things that worked well, um, one of the things I, I did like about the new well, – I, I shouldn't say did because that sounds past tense. But one of the things I do like that they've done in the post-Johns era is, like Corman said, they've explored some other things. You know, Johns was all about building the emotional spectrum, and, and it was one every light of war of light after another. It kind of got embroiled in that so much, and it was kind of refreshing to see them do other things like the Durlins and explore the whole Von Daggle and the you know the Black Ops version of the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, you know, that whole thing was was really good. Uh, so I've enjoyed all that, and and 
again, this the whole Sinestro thing of him emerging as even a more powerful threat than he was before, I think is great. My only concern about that is, are we just building to Sinestro Core War 2.0? I hope that's not the case. But I, I hope we see something a little bit fresher on that when Sinestro finally gets his comeuppance. The, the things that I think didn't work for me the most, I think the whole emotional reservoir thing, I think undermines how Green Lanterns are supposed to work. And for me, that's kind of the single worst thing that I see in this new era post-Johns. Yeah, I would agree with that because I think what you're getting at, Myron, and you and you can correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of us, uh, you know, on the show before, you know, before Mark, before you joined it, when you were listening, you remember we, we kept talking about, the Green Lantern Corps and the Corps in general are working up to the point where they they can charge their own rings. Right. That's what everybody like, was hoping anyway. Yeah, exactly. And now, you know, it's you know, – oh, God. The, the scene I keep going back to is do you remember when the Blue Lanterns were first introduced right before Blackest Night? And um, when – and St. Walker and Worth were traveling with Hal and they came across a sun that was about to go Nova. And they turned back the clock on that sun, those two Blue Lanterns alone, by accessing the collective hope of the inhabitants of that planet. Remember that? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that, I think that's what you're getting at, Myron. It's like yeah. we, 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 we were getting to this point and we were pushing to this point where the Lanterns could you know, access their, their, own, their own emotion. Perfect example. Sinestro being able to spark up his own ring uh, while he was captive by the, by the Green Lantern Corps. And then later on during the Sin- Tales of the Sinestro Corps, when they have to go in those little pods and spark their own rings as well. Like we kept we, we kept going into this this one direction. And now they made it seem like the emotions of the universe are a finite source that the collective beings in the universe are tapping into. We don't have our own emotions. There's a finite resource of emotions in the universe, and those need to be reset. And if not, the universe ends. Largely. Exactly. It's, 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 it's gone the complete other way. And it's, it seems like we, we were going like one step forward and three steps back, so... Yeah, you know, to, to me, it's the whole notion of the, that originally these rings, the power batteries collected the emotional energy of the universe, and it's invisible to our eyes, but when you collect it and it's concentrated, it takes on a color, or it takes on a hue, and that the whole point of the central power batteries was to collect the universal amount of willpower into the central power battery, and that's what powered the rings, so you didn't have a limited supply, but what was interesting to me when they, they brought about the whole emotional spectrum was that the amount of rage might be greater in the universe than the amount of will depending upon the state of the universe and fear could become stronger than will if sinestro rises and more people are afraid than they're willful or strong and to me that was a more interesting way to play off of that idea of what a reservoir is it's a self-filling reservoir that we fill and the whole idea that it's a cosmic gas tank of emotional energy that you know are we driving Priuses or are we driving Humvees? <laughs> uh, how long is this energy going to last? And it's not generated by our own free will. To me, kind of undercuts the whole premise that this universe is built on. I agree. I think you kind of you said it perfectly, and that's what I would have said too. Exactly what you and Chad said. That I think the the emotional the reservoir of the emotional spectrum being finite is is the probably the why it was certainly a change. 
and it was something you didn't expect. But that's not always, you know, change isn't always good, people. <laughs> it may not always be good. That that is some that is a thing that I dislike the most. I think, or I'm not happy about the most, other than of course St. Walker. But talking big picture, that I think that has hurt. I think it doesn't make a lot of sense. I think they can, as I think Chad and I, we, I think we've talked about a long time ago during uh, Lights Out. I think there's there are ways to explain explain it away when somebody wants to, whether it was written that way on purpose or whether it's just you know. But I think you can, you can write it, write it, you know, write your way out of it, including, you know, in Relic's universe of why, you know, that the spectrum ran dry. I think there's ways to work around it. But I think that does hurt. I hurt. It hurts the lanterns. It hurts the concept. I think it does. It does weaken them. And it's not. I don't know. I just. I just. I just. I just don't think it works. But I do also think that delving back into. Like uh, like Corwin first mentioned about delving back into some of the background, some of the stories that were told in core, especially bring, bringing Sodom Yacht out of math, mothballs, things like that, storylines that were completely forgotten about, characters that haven't been touched in centuries. I think that was that was that was a plus, and, and I I remember Chad and I even talked about that. We even comment uh, complimented them on that uh, during the Van Jensen run that that was a good that the Venditti Van Jensen run because that was early on in that mm. book. But that was that. I think that was one of the good things, and I guess almost by de facto, I would say I'm kind of pleasantly surprised, even though I don't necessarily like the the state of the emotional spectrum. I'm pleasantly surprised that the emotional spectrum still exists, because I was afraid that that, especially once they started off with lights out, that they may have been going in the direction where they were going to wipe it out. So. I think I um I, I subconsciously blacked out the whole reservoir thing. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I think I completely blacked that out. I completely just wrote that whole thing off. I will say, since you guys did just cover Threshold, the whole ring caps and the ring draining technology, I think that's gotten old really quick. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That goes back to the that goes back to the you know, the, the lantern's power thing. You know, lanterns shouldn't be overcome by A, B, C or D. Tech ring draining tech, not one of those things that they should have you know, as, as a threat to them. Ring draining tech, maybe from another universe that, you know, I, regardless of what you think of the whole lights out relic, you know, emotional reservoir thing, you kind of give it a little bit more of a pass because it's relic and, you know, he's from another universe and things work slightly differently. And he spent all this time studying these other lanterns in his universe or lightsmiths or whatever. But just in general, being able to turn on and turn off the lantern power batteries and a, a Cesarnian assassin killing lanterns, yeah, those things shouldn't be happening. <clears throat> now, you guys mentioned Relic. i, I got to ask you guys a, a question. I want to see how you, you kind of have parsed this yourselves. But do you think that Jon Stewart and the Green Lanterns got giant when they went to Relic's time frame? Or did Relic just get supersized when he came forward in time? Relic. The latter. I would say yeah, he's he's the DC equivalent of Galactus. Because because you know we've been seeing in Lost Army where he's normal sized, right? So yeah, I'm assuming that when he came through, when he was when he was incubating in that egg, he somehow got you know like that that the, the toys used to put the little figure in the warm water and it would grow to <laughs> 300 times normal size. <laughs> is that what Relic is, or you know? you know? The ironic part is that's exactly what Galactus is. He's a survivor from the previous universe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think that is true. It's a good point. I I think yeah, I think from passing through from the end of his universe into our universe through the source wall, however he the whole journey, whatever got him from point A to point B, that's he kind of 
yeah, he kind of grew. I don't think the lance. I don't think the lanterns kind of grew. You know, retroactively. I, th- I think that's. I think it was just a byproduct of him being the sole survivor and making making his way through. I like Relic as a character. I mean, it it gets a little old with his you know his little lightsmith comments every five seconds. That gets a little old and. And even though I guess at the end, in the last issue of Green Lantern we're dealing with Black Hand, uh, even though we haven't actually reviewed that issue yet, <laughs> just the idea that at least he kind of acknowledges that you know at least you can do some good with you know with with the energy of the emotional spectrum. I did kind of and I I do kind of like the idea though that you know again that maybe relics part of relics anti Lantern sentiment grows maybe it turned out growing because of his interaction with John Stewart and the Lanterns brought back into his time even though he may not really re- completely have. 100% pure recollection of his interaction with them, but but maybe them kind of like not being honest with him and screwing around with him maybe ended up kind of feeding his hate as as time went on. So it kind of like a you know a self fulfilling prophecy that maybe if they had just been more, if they had been nicer to him, maybe he wouldn't have become such a jerk when he when he crossed over. <laughs> well, now if you if you, if you read Lost Army Six, they seem to be taking Relic in a more villainous turn too. Oh, do they? Yeah, okay. Meyer knows what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean it it's not mm. out and out, but you kind of get the point that you know he's trying he's going to be going that way. <laughs> even uh, even more than the, the usual Krona comments and looks. <laughs> no, Krona's uh, you know pulling him over to the dark side. <laughs> so. I was about to say yeah, they're the new power couple. It's the the master and the Padawan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Krona just kind of looks at Relic and winks a little bit, you know and. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man! Your journey well, to the for, dark for, side is complete. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> my for 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 my side of it, everybody knows I love the the power of Ion storyline with Kyle Rayner. So for me, what worked was Kyle Rayner becoming a White Lantern and staying a White Lantern, forgetting and foregoing Omega Men completely. You know, for me. Kyle Rayner works best as the torchbearer, regardless of whether he's a Green Lantern or a White Lantern or what. He is the torchbearer. He's the only one. And he wears that mantle very well. And because I like the Power of Ion storyline that happened up into issue 150 of the Kyle Rayner series, because I like that so much, you know, having Kyle imbued with essentially godlike, you know, power gives me warm fuzzies. <laughs> so there's that. Now, Corwin's right. We did not like the Durlin storyline, but we did give it all the credit in the world. And I, I, I keep coming back to this. I give it all the credit in the world because if, if the Lantern titles are going to be DC's cosmic line, the same way Marvel's got, uh, what is it, Corwin? Is it, it it's their Guardians of the Galaxy stuff and, and something else that's, kind of the core Marvel yeah. cosmic right now. Yeah, Guardians, Nova. Yeah, uh, Silver Surfer to a lesser extent. That seems like it's its own thing. Uh, but um, I, I feel like if the Lanterns are going to be your cosmic title, then the Lanterns need to interact with more of the DCU cosmic. They need to interact with the Derlins. They need to interact with the Kund. They need to interact with, just throwing it out there, Tamaranians, you know, like, you know, they, they, they did kind of have that. Uh, was it one of that, um, new guardians, yeah, that new, the God, that goddess. God chick. Yeah. That God, that, that God, goddess chick. She was from Tamarind. So, you know, stuff like that, you know, the, if they're going to keep 
uh, well, Lantern Titles is being DC Cosmic. They need to do more DC Cosmic. So yes, I do love the I do love the emotional spectrum, and I do love bringing Sinestro into the fold and Laura Flees and St. Walker and all these others into the fold and revisiting things like Krona and things like that. The Guardians and, and the Green Lantern Corps does have an entirely immensely rich history. But if you're going to make the Lantern titles your DC Cosmic, there's a whole mess of other stuff out there that you can be bringing into your titles and having interact with the Lanterns without having a new Green Lantern versus X-Lantern every other storyline. That's that's why they need Core. They need Green Lantern Core to do things like that. And they can have Cal running around in his own book and doing his own his own thing. But Core should be the, you know, like it was back in the day when they had the uh, Green Lantern Core quarterly and different things. We get different lanterns and different things happening. You don't have to focus on just the Earth lanterns, even yeah, if it's I, backups. I, I know, think some... that the, um, the Green Lantern universe is ripe for an anthology series where you can focus on these lesser known characters or characters that don't get the spotlight in the main series. And, and explore a lot of those things. I agree. But even if it wasn't just a Green Lantern core anthology, just a like kind of like the tales of the cores yeah, anthology. Yeah, yeah. So then you could have you could have different solo stories. You could have different lanterns team up. You could it, it could be yeah, it could be almost like a Marvel team up, just with potential. Not necessarily always have to be a team up, but it could be that kind of style of book. And that that I think would have been really good. Even right after Black as Night, they could have done something like that. So I think you know, right now. As we'll probably get into, you know, a little bit as we're kind of you know, segueing into, you know, where, you know where we're headed. It's just the fact that because the, you know, the, the the sales are not as strong, and it seems like the interest in the Green Lantern brand and franchise isn't as strong. They might that might be a that might be a harder sell for maybe DC to sign, you know, sign off on, especially since the emotional spectrum really has been weakened and kind of degraded over the, you know, the last few years. That maybe. Maybe they would be less willing to roll the dice on something like that. But I think it's still, I, I would be greatly interested in that book. I mean, right now, I guess Sinestro is the closest thing to being our Tales of the Core book because it's, because that has the, the book that has the most interactions with, with other cores over the last, you know, the last certainly half, through the last half a year's worth of stories. Well, since you mentioned it, Mark, do you want to go ahead and segue into the where we're heading with the solicits that you sure. posted on our Facebook page? Yeah, I think that would be a good good segue uh so i post i and other people probably saw this on news around and other places i actually the telos thing slipped right by me at first because much like probably like most people i'm not reading telos <laughs> even though i like the character in convergence but i really had but i just as luck of the draw i, I kind of went back and i found this but robert van diddy actually did an interview not that long ago and he was talking about you know you know how it was going to be on earth and kind of like giving us an idea of what was coming and he kind of said as not that this is a shock to anybody, but they said, you know, basically alluding to the next cosmic threat. Because <laughs> we know there's always the next cosmic threat. And he is, he alluded to, I guess, you know, maybe would have kind of more of an idea where that was going by, you know, there would be like a guest appearance of somebody showing up at the end of Green Lantern 49. And now that we have the solicits for Green Lantern 49, we at least know that it's going to be Parallax. The question kind of is maybe which parallax, and that ties into the solicits for Talos number five, because it would seem to be the the character that comes to save Talos, at least according to the solicits, in Talos number five would appear to be the zero hour convergence parallax who got sent back in time to you know to 
to to fix to kind of make sure the main events of Crisis on Infinite Earths played out, but to make sure the multiverse wasn't destroyed in the process. I I'm, guarantee you, it is. I think it is too. At least in Telos, it has to be. I think in Telos, there's no doubt that has to be that parallax, which was cool because because I always was hoping, being that being a Hal parallax guy, that. That was a great opportunity for that character to survive, not just being a super, you know, the one of the ultimate heroes of the multiverse, saving the multiverse, but the fact that they never showed you anything that happened back then, so you had no idea who lived, who died. So, so it certainly would, uh, certainly looks like that that par parallax survived and shows up to help Telos, which kind of reinforced what my personal instinct was anyway when they said, oh, parallax was basically coming in Green Lantern 49, that it wasn't the parallax that we were kind of, you normally would think it would be like the entity. Because the entity's stuck in Corrigor, keeping new Corrigor from blowing up. <laughs> right. So, well, I, you, you know why I guarantee it is that Parallax is because have you read the Lois and Clark Superman thing, that title that just came out last month? No, I haven't. Go ahead. Say what you that, that is the Superman and Lois from Convergence right. that had a baby and went into that portal. That's That, that whole storyline, that whole title is taking place following them on – "Quote unquote RDC Universe Earth," but do they mention? That's, but do they mention that Parallax survived? No, they don't. What, that's what I'm saying is they've got a whole separate title following those characters at the end, end of Convergence. It's like those specific characters, uh, Clark and Lois and their son. So, and they're going by a different name, but that's right. Those I, I do remember characters. the solicits. So, I guarantee you that this is you know that Parallax. Parallax. So if, if we assume that's going to be that parallax that shows up in Green Lantern 49 into 50, any thoughts on that of whether that could be a good story, a bad story? Because I kind of think it could be pretty cool. Because only from the point of view that we've never seen, we've never seen any really any real Lantern interact with the Zero Hour Parallax, who's who, at, at any at the proper stage in time when they would know that Parallax basically was infected by an entity. <laughs> You know, by the fear entity. Nobody ever knew that whenever they did the time jumping and interacted with them before. Nobody ever – so you have a really interesting potential story with Hal confronting his own self, but yet, you know, hey, by the way, there's a fear bug in you. <laughs> but I like that parallax, so I think it could be an interesting story. Plus, I think it could be – personally, I think it could be a red herring that he may not necessarily be the cosmic threat. He may be, you know, factoring into that story. Yeah, but he may not be the, the actual threat, but – Go ahead, guys. I rambled. I'm sorry, but 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 I like this, so I kind of rambled. <laughs> yeah, when it comes to parallax, Mark's gonna go off the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> oh, um, future. Well, I, I, you know what? I really didn't even catch the whole Telos thing because I still have convergence in the stack to read, but I, I will get to it eventually. The end is good. So that's that's new to me. But what I'm looking forward to, I am hoping that this whole Sinestro Corps thing works out to where either the, the Sinestro Corps have their own t territories to kind of be in charge of and to patrol and they keep you know in order, or we may get some core, some mixture between the two cores where you know some sectors of lanterns, you have one Sinestro Corps, maybe one Green Lantern that partner up or something similar to that where they're they're forced to kind of interact and work together on some levels yeah when it comes to parallax i mean it's issue 50 <laughs> it's... yeah every issue 50 has a parallax yes. right yeah it was it was that way 
with obviously starting with Emerald Twilight, but it was that way during Blackest Night. <laughs> Parallax and it's, and it's always back, been, so. and it's always been Hal Parallax too. It's always exactly. been Hal Parallax. <laughs> uh, so it's it, you know it's got to be Parallax. Um, I think I think it's interesting from the point of view that you're saying you know what if someone goes oh by the way there's a fear bug in you. Um, what if that's not what they're going with? Two two things on that on that line of thought. First of all. If that is, and I, again, I, I, I'm just going to go under the assumption that it is because I just believe 100% it's going to be that parallax. When it's revealed to be that parallax, it's interesting to see if there are flashbacks, how they write them. Because if they go in knowing it's that parallax, then they shouldn't be trying to throw in any new 52 stuff whatsoever. They should just keep to rehashing exactly what happened with Emerald Twilight, Zero Hour, stuff like that. That should be 110% that way. They shouldn't try to new 52-ize it because there's no reason to. <clears throat> so it'd be interesting to see them do that. And it's also interesting, what if they don't go the emotional spectrum route? What if what if this is this parallax taken on its natural course without Johns, what if that's what they do with it? Like, what if they, they do something else? I don't, I don't know. I don't know why they would. I'm just saying some, it, they always want to do something new. So if, what if they, they don't take it to that conclusion of this is this, and we'll get to this when we get to what we want to see and the stories we'd like to be telling in the Green Lantern universe. What if this parallax really is how Jordan just gone mad with power and grief? Even though in a way, if you go back to the conversions tie-ins they went out of their way to try to explain it away even though they didn't know it was a fear entity but they kind of they didn't describe it as a fear entity but remember that that half-assed batman psychology about oh that wasn't you that was parallax so they kind of already kind of written in that kind of aspect to it well uh, even even then didn't they say that the actual parallax itself was dormant for a long time inside hell and that was just him doing his his thing Mm, um, it, no, it had reached no. out. It had reached. It had reached out to him through the power battery before, and it was influencing him. But it didn't. Really, That's why his temples turned gray. Right, but it didn't right, get into right. him until he absorbed the central power battery. But I, I just think it, I when it, like going back to convergence. I just thought it was one of the coolest things besides the fact that Tao was kind of one of the heroes of convergence, and just the fact that he <laughs> he wipes out the big bad of convergence in the last issue like in three seconds, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Corwin. <laughs> it's alright. <laughs> but but the fact that you know just when they sent him back because he said he was you know he didn't want to go back to his own universe which kind of opens the door right then for him to be time traveling into others but the fact that you know that he that he was got the opportunity because he was seek, he was seeking redemption as he said that he had the, the how cool is that for in a way for parallax in a way accomplish this a version of parallax to accomplish exactly what he wanted in a in a in a not destruct not a, in a non-destructive way because he's not only did he save the universe he saved the multiverse <laughs> and he lived to tell the story which is which so I think I think that's I, that was one of the cooler things I thought had happened in convergence because I really was hoping we were going to see more of that more of that character because and it seems like knock on wood that we're that we're going to get to see him so it'll be curious how that story plays out and what they're going to and what they will do with him at the end I mean so. So I'm, that I'm looking forward. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, sometimes you get pleasantly surprised. Just going briefly backtracking, I I thought Godhead ended. I thought Godhead ended a lot better than I th and I liked it better than I thought I was going to like it. Still went on way too long, 
didn't have to be like three months worth of books. But <laughs> but I thought Godhead actually ended pretty well, as you know, when, as Corbin and I discussed previously, I believe. <laughs> yeah. So, but. Myron, what do you think about the parallax stuff and where we're headed? I, I, I'm not sure what they're going to do with it. I, I, I think, like you guys, I'm interested in seeing how they're going to spin it and what they're going to do. Which version of parallax is it? Uh, what's his intention? Is is he really, as the solicit says, a coming threat? Or or is there something else going on? I, it's hard to say. Uh, it would certainly be interesting to find out where it's going to go. Yeah. And I think, you know, just, just kind of branching out to the other titles where we're headed – we have obviously got Ed- Edge of Oblivion coming up. Ethan Van Skyver on our art. Myron, remind me who's doing the writing. Uh, Tom Taylor. Tom Taylor. Okay. Oh, he's back. Uh, that's right. Uh, and also with we're going where we're going with Sinestro and the paling and all of that. Um, God, if it's Crona, I'm gonna kill somebody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not. I'm gonna roll the. I'm gonna be roll the dice and be very confident that it's not Crona, Chad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I don't think it's Crona. If it's Appa, I'll be happy. If it's Dowley from uh, uh, Ganthet's Tale, I'm going to leap out of my seat with happiness. Because uh, <laughs> that's a pretty obscure story for them to just rip a guardian out of, so hell yes. Which, which, uh, which guardian was like the biker? Was that Ganthet? No. Which one like, kind of just left? And he, was that Ganthet I'm thinking of when he left on like a motorcycle? What? <laughs> Are you having fever dreams? <laughs> there was a guardian. Which guardian was it that he just? I don't know if he just. I think it was probably Ganthet at one point in time when he left the other guardians. Wasn't it like a renegade the, guardian on a motorcycle or something? One of the guardians became a biker. <laughs> yeah, he like. Did he hook up with Lobo and start a biker gang? In that's why space? Lobo's so powerful. Damn it! He, he had a tattoo. He had a tattoo that said "Hell's Guardians" on it. You know. <laughs> It'll come to me. Never mind. It'll come to me. Um, anyways, yeah, that would, that, you know, that'd be interesting to, to pull from speaking of Ganthet's tale. Maybe it's that leprechaun dude that they brought along with him. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Sinestro is awesome. I think when we get to the, in just a few minutes, when we get to where we want the books to go, unfortunately, Corwin, I'm sorry, my ideas don't involve a Sinestro core ongoing, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I am enjoying the book and I'm excited to see where it's going. I think there have been moments in it where it's been it's been the most consistent title within itself, but there have been moments where from issue to issue you're like, wait, how did we get here? Like, They're obviously building to something, yes. Well, I mean, like between last issue – not last issue. By last issue, I mean the one before uh, he teams up with Black Adam. You know, like all of a sudden they're on Earth. Mm-hmm. And visiting Kondok. So I'm, I, there, there are moments like that, except a slightly more extreme towards the beginning of the series, where you're just like, hold on. How did we get to this point? Um, but that's the only fault I could give the Sinestro Corps or the Sinestro title. Uh, it, it, within itself, other than going being completely confused about location and what happened the previous issue based on just being thrown off a little bit. Um, it's the most consistent within its own title. As far as Edge of Oblivion, I have no idea what's going on with that because that's supposed to be a six-issue mini as well, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, what are they going to tell in that storyline that Cullen couldn't? 
and, and are, is what they're is what they're writing going to even tie to what Cullen Bunn did? Are they just exactly. going to pick up and go in a different direction? You know, he said that in an interview that originally it was going to be twelve to thirteen issues. Um, you know, I'm talking about Lost Army, and it was going to dovetail back into Sinestro. And so, what he was building in Sinestro was going to go head on to what he was doing with Lost Army. So, uh, where they're going to take it now is, is anybody's guess. What Tom Taylor and Ethan Van Skyver have in store, I, whether they're going to follow the playbook that Cullen Bunn set out. Or are they going to do their own thing? Yeah, who knows? Well, they're going to bring them back, right? They're, they're bringing the – well, one would assume by the end of it all they're going to bring the core back to the regular universe. I, I got to assume that's what they're going to do. And I think they're going to follow at least the general concept of what Bunn was going to do because obviously – even though which is another interesting point of discussion is that it would seem – I mean even though maybe the lost, ar- lost army being kind of like cut off kind of like might make one – take a second look at this but it would seem at least once lost army was announced it certainly seemed like cullen bunn kind of has like risen to the top over robert venditti as far as the direct being able to have the pull of the you know of the, of the lantern franchise since not just the fact that he was writing two of the three books that existed but just the fact that like chad mentioned the story driving the the big story driving sinestro kind of is like supersedes everything that's going on in all the other books so it's so I don't know. I think I think the main idea of I I, w- I would suspect, and you never you'll, we may never know, but I suspect the main ideas and the resolutions and the of the the big reveal or whatever that will occur in Edge of Oblivion kind of at least is going to be the more or less what Cullen Bunn was gonna, the story was you know he was going to tell, but 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 you're right. It, it's hard to say. You might never know. Or, I mean, I think DC was probably more maybe unhappy with the way the book was coming out necessarily than the story that they ultimately wanted to tell in it. Well, Cullen's been sort of, um, I don't know what word to use. The term wishy-washy is popping up into my mind, but that is not what I want to say. If you've, if you've been following what's going on with him in Aquaman, you know, there's a lot of shakeup going on with Cullen right now. So I have no idea. Like, with the the whole... Uh, one of my favorite podcasts, the Final Issue podcast, was talking about it. How they called their their episode talking about it, the rage of the Aqua fans. How before Cullen's first issue of Aquaman even came out, he was getting so much hate and stuff like that from the people that he was just like, "This isn't even, this isn't worth it." Uh, and he just kind of quit after four or five issues. Like his his editor had to tell him to stick it out for a little bit. He wanted to quit you know, before issue one even came out because of all the backlash he was getting. So maybe that has a factor into why he left uh, or why he's no longer part of Lost Army. I don't know. As in what, to fall out from more from Aquaman as opposed to bad, getting bad, you know, bad comments and press from Lost Army? You mean just more or less he, that because no, of, because something something that happened with, with uh, Aquaman just made him not, you know, just kind of like, have a different relationship with DC or I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just spitballing. I'm kind of throwing ideas out into ether, you know, throwing stuff at the wall. Oh, I know. I just meant like, what did you think? What did you think? You know, when you threw that out there, what was kind of like in my mind, it's yeah. kind of for, for those of you who know the term, the yips, you know, like <laughs> you, you strike out once and you try harder and you strike out again and you just keep striking out. <laughs> like you, you, it gets in your head and you just can't, you can't go forward a little bit. Like, I'm not saying that's that is what happened, but for whatever reason, that's you know what sticks in my mind. Maybe myself, you know, God, I really need to get back into writing because I used to love doing it, but I haven't done it in a long time. 
<clears throat> for myself, like I don't, I know that if I were to get some extreme, like a torrent of extremely negative feedback, I, you know, no matter how established I am in any industry, that would probably affect me, me personally, just because I know, I know who I am. And regardless of, you know, if you're in a creative industry, you should let that stuff roll off your back because, you know, not everybody's going to like everything you do. That's one thing. But, you know, when you get a torrent of hate, I mean, that sounds like he got a whole lot of hate. And I don't mean just your regular run of the mill, you know, comic fan Internet hate that people get. I'm talking like everybody (laughs) that that's got to that's got to hurt. That's got to do something to you. So maybe he decided to take a step back and concentrate on something he was really going hard at, Sinestro, and maybe some of his other indie titles, because uh, I know Six Gun is wrapping up, uh, or has wrapped up, and just decided to pull back a little bit and kind of refocus. I don't know. I'm just, like I said, I'm throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Just throwing the idea out there. Good point for discussion. Well, that's well's dry. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, uh, so go, ahead. go ahead, Myron. I was just going to ask you guys if you think that there are any creative changes coming up to the main series or to Sinestro. You know, is Cullen Bunn, you know, Cullen Bunn is only working on Sinestro now for DC. Does he leave DC altogether and go to Marvel? Do we get a different creative shakeup there? Um, are the sales numbers on the Green Lantern book enough for DC to make a change in the main title? You want to go first? You want me to, Chad? That. That see, I would say you go first, Mark, because the shakeup in the main title is basically where I want them to go. Oh, for the, for the next segment, gotcha. <laughs> for, yeah, yeah. For the, the if they were to shake up the main title, I would tell you exactly what I want. <laughs> that that's more of the the last part of this. So, uh, I I think shakeups are coming, although that's all I can tell you. Like I don't know if that means creative teams being shifted around or entirely new creative teams, or titles being canceled. Uh, We used to say for a long time on the Lantern cast that we don't know when, but we can only support X number of Lantern books for so long. And since the Lantern books have started taking a dive in terms of uh, profit and how how much they're selling versus other books, maybe we've reached that point. I I don't know if we have. I don't know if DC's just been like, Deciding to keep three or four Lantern titles going because of how the sheer amount of how many characters are on that side of the universe that they just they can't let it go down to back down to one or two titles. It's got to be three or four. I don't know, but I feel like there's a shakeup now, regardless of whether that means canceling titles or kind of reshaking things up and keeping and maybe even adding another title, but just giving more consistency, more direction to those and just kind of doing a whole 180 and seeing where that goes. I don't know, but I feel like, I don't know, unless this, I feel like this next storyline is, is it, you know, unless this next storyline really shakes things up and really gets exciting. And it, we just kind of continue this level of, eh, I guess that was kind of cool. Then and, and, until we get the, Oh wow. Shit. Did you see what happened in green lantern last issue? Unless we get that, I think something is coming, but I don't know what. And some of what you said, I want to, again, I want to, like you mentioned, I want to touch on when we get to what what we're hoping to see, we want to happen. Uh, Back to Myron's question um, for me. 
what what I what I like to see some changes probably do I think there's something like like in the like the next four or five months probably happening I don't I don't necessarily think so I like Colin Bunn doing Sinestro so I would like I like to I you know I would like to see him stay on that book for a while especially since I actually didn't think anybody would really get Sinestro as much as Jeff Johns got Sinestro but Bunn's pretty damn close. So if Bun left the book, I mean, unless Johns has taken it over, I kind of and if they had intention of keeping the book going for a while now, again tying, the, you know, wrapping that back around, I don't really see the Sinestro book lasting for indefinitely. I mean, it's probably going to last at least two years because we're we're not, you know, because we're already past the first year. So and who knows, maybe maybe it was only pitched as a concept for maybe a couple of years based on the story that they want to tell. But I would be surprised if that book lasts more than three years. Just to begin with, sales have not been great. You know, they've they've been kind of they kind of go up a little bit, then they go down. If you look at the Green Lantern book, the Green Lantern book actually they've had a few issues in which it's you know nosedived sales wise, but for the most part, it really hasn't. So I suspect that is that based on sales alone, it's probably not enough for them to try to push like Robert Venditti off. And I can't necessarily say overall that you know. That he's done a, a job worthy of being pushed off, but it, uh, I do. Would it, you know, do I think it's? Do I think like long in the near future? Do I think we're probably going to get a change on Green Lantern? Probably. Either he's going to want to leave, or maybe DC is just going to say, okay, we've tried this. Really, it, you know, we were kind of hoping to, you know, almost like reboot, reboot, and kind of keep some of the John's magic going, and it really hasn't worked. So then maybe they just want to go in a different direction. But I don't know if I think that's going to happen like in the next like you know four or five months. Would be nice if you got it. And here's here's the part Chad probably didn't where, where Chad probably doesn't want me to go. But it would be not. I think it would definitely help Robert Venditti if he had a better artist on his book. To be honest. Yeah. I have to be honest. I mean that's that's, that's gonna, I'm going to let someone else talk. But yes, that's if if he had if he had a Van Skyver doing his book, I think people would like his book a lot more. <laughs> True. Yeah. No, but like you said, yeah, I, I definitely agree with the Sinestro thing. I think Colin has a story to tell, and when he's done with that story, that that, that book is probably going to be kaput. And I wouldn't even blame them because I, I want that book to go out on top. I don't want it to start to really falter or go into hands of a different writer who just doesn't get it. That's true because I kind of feel, even though it was under the same writer, same writer, I kind of felt that new, Chad you know, disagrees a little but I, I think New Guardians kind of went in that direction too. I think New Guardians started off really, really strongly, especially uh, after John's left. You know, the, everything building up to Lights Out, the first few arc or the first few issues after Lights Out. But I thought it kind of started losing its direction a little bit more. I thought uh, Red Lanterns Under Soul was kind of consistent all the way through. I thought he did a really, really good job. It's too bad that too bad yeah. that book was probably going to be canceled regardless. And it's also too bad that you know he didn't. There was no lantern, another lantern book for him to write because I think he did. He certainly did him. He did something which probably no one really thought was capable, especially after the the book, like the first twenty issues or something of Red Lanterns, which was to make that book really enjoyable and really interesting. <laughs> so, okay, so winding down, where or well, not winding down, maybe ramping up. Um, yeah. Where do we want the lantern titles to go? Um, <laughs> Just because I've been waiting to talk about this. Go ahead, Chad. Let it out. Go ahead. Spark it up. I'll I'll kick it off. Now, I was re-listening to older episodes of the show, and this isn't a new idea from me. Um, But here's here's what I think. The biggest thing. Hal, 
needs to be on earth. That's what I think. I think, and if we're going to keep Simon Baz around, and this is the only place I think we should put him, uh, outside of what Johns did when he introduced the character, I kind of feel like if you want to keep Baz around, you need to focus on him some, on a title that matters. And the only place I can think to put Baz is make him a sector partner with Hal. Make him learn things from Hal, because... Of anybody, who's he going to learn from? Like, how's the best person to team him up with? So I say Green Lantern needs to put Hal back on Earth. And since they're <laughs> – what is it? The next issue <laughs> is uh, up up into 50 is going to be Hal on Earth dealing with Sonar. I am buying multiple copies of, e of each of those issues that he's on Earth to let DC know that is what I want. Because Hal, in my opinion, needs to be on Earth. He's got family. He's got Carol, whether she be a love interest or a friend. Where the hell is Cowgirl? <laughs> you know? Put that to pasture, Chad. Uh, you know all of this, all of this stuff. You know how, how despite being the, you know the daredevil, the test pilot, all of this, how really is a family guy? Like he, he, despite him you know, cavorting off in space and just dropping in and saying hi. He loves his brother. He loves his niece and nephew. Like he, you know, he is, he is a family guy. And not to mention how with Barry, how with Ollie, like I want to see those stories so bad. Is, and not, is any of that Ollie stuff in continuity still? I have no idea. But speaking of that, when, when Green Lantern sales were faltering in the sixties, what did they do? They brought Hal back down to Earth and made him deal with Earth problems and teamed him up with Green Arrow. That brought a fresh take and revitalized the character. And then they went back out into space. And then what happened? They brought Hal back down to Earth again. <laughs> I think, and because, yes, Hal was on Earth for a good portion of the beginning of Jeff Johns' run. But realistically, how long has it been? Like, just <laughs> forget how long it feels, guys. How long has it been realistically since Hal has been centered on Earth? It's been a good long while. And we were just talking about sales starting to slip a little bit and enthusiasm starting to slip a little bit. Things are cyclical. I think it's time to bring Hal back to Earth. I think we need him to have that touch point, you know? I've said it before in the past, these are human lanterns. Why aren't they interacting with other humans? And I don't mean just each other in the core. Like, doesn't it do something to a human being's psyche? Like, philosophically, doesn't it do something to a human being to not interact with its planet of origin <laughs> and its family members and friends that it, you know, it's, its touch point? Okay, so there's that. Now, Green Lantern core, John and Guy. That's what I want from Green Lantern Corps. And I think we hit the nail right on the head earlier. It's John and Guy interacting with the DC universe. You know, whether they be, uh, what were they called? Honor Guard Lanterns is what they were called, right? At one point? Yep. Yes. Yep. Uh, Honor Guard Lanterns uh, out doing their own thing or each taking their own little, you know, uh, hey, the, the Templar Guardians are like, you know, we trust you too. Uh, we've we've got 
this problem cropping up in this section of the universe and this problem cropping up over here. John, grab a crew, go take care of this. Guy, grab a crew, go take care of that. Like, I don't, I don't care how it works. Just the Green Lantern Corps featuring Guy and John interacting with the DC universe as a whole. Kyle Rayner as the White Lantern uh, and maybe interacting with his other core. If you want to keep Carol in there, fine. Keep Carol in there, whatever. Uh, <laughs> make me believe it if you're going to do it. Um, but I kind of feel like Kyle would be the more outside of the realm of maybe, maybe like the Guardian's secret agent kind of thing, like handling the stuff the core can't super powerful beings, you know, maybe the Templar guardians. Okay. So, so the big thing is, is how supposed to be the fall guy for all the stuff that happened. Right. And the, the whole point of this is so that the universe starts to trust the core and the guardians again. Well, what if they, the guardians are like, Hey Kyle, uh, we're in a really tough spot. This issue over in this corner of the galaxy is cropped up and it's something our messed up brothers did a long time ago. But since the universe doesn't really know to distinguish those guys from us and we're trying to rebuild our reputation, we don't want this to get out. Will you, you know, with all your power, here's the info. Will you handle this? You know, for instance, obviously they already dealt with it, but the Scions, you know, the Scions is a whole Guardian experiment gone bad. You know, the massacre of Sector 666, that was a Guardian secret revealed and, you know, something like to that effect. You know, Kyle deals with the, the crazy powerful, crazy mystic, crazy stuff uh, in the in the Green Lantern universe and DC Cosmic and an anthology series. I want an anthology series so bad. I want it. Now, this is a dirty word ever since the new 52, but DC Universe Presents. Remember when that came out? It started with Dead Man and then everybody lost interest and didn't care when it became Challengers of the Unknown. And then... Uh, uh, Blue Devil, Black Lightning. Like I nobody stuck that, around. Yeah, I think so. Nobody stuck around for those other series because they were, they forgot that you know each of these storylines only had three or four issues to tell their story and get on with it. Maybe that's a bad idea. Maybe we go what Corwin said earlier, Greenland and Cor quarterly, but and do that. But there are so many stories out there that can be told. And I I I was going I was rereading some of the John's era a little while back, and I came up with some ideas like pulling up the image here. Remember when, uh, Oh, what was her name? Um, the, chi the blue lantern chick, uh, that was talking about how evil star was oppressing her world. Was that sister Cersei? Yeah. We never got that. Evil star was being ramped up by Johns to be this threat. We never got mm -hmm. that story. I want to see that story. It, wasn't uh, there a lost, lost Sapphire as well or something? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was that. Um, Blackest Night, there's a very specific panel, and I'm looking at it right now, um, where uh, Necron says, You cannot hide from me any longer, Entity, in the Earth or in a being wearing a ring. It does not matter. I will dig you out. I will end you, and thus all the life you have helped spawn. Whoever or whatever sent you here will regret it. I want to see whoever or whatever sent it here. Was that, the um, I, th th that was never revealed. I, Where it was, the I just came. thought it was implied that it was the Guardians because they were the ones keeping the secret that life started on Earth. No. No. That's... No, it was implied that whatever created our universe, it was oh, the first thing okay. in yeah, in this universe yeah. that fought the blackness. Uh, another another story I want to see, 
we keep talking about whatever happened to Hal Jordan's blue ring. And whenever we mention it, we talk about Sector 2814. There should be a, a, a lantern of Sector 2814. That's not the case. When Hal loses that blue ring, it scans Sector 2828. So I want to see where that blue lantern ring went. You know, like there's a there's a there's a plethora of other stories that could be told regardless. And I'm not even talking just, you know, happening, happening currently somewhere in the in the lantern universe. Stuff that was happening, but we didn't see, you know, stuff like that. I want to I want to see that. I want to see. Remember, there was that panel where all the magic Characters were on trial by the Guardians, Alan Scott and Tor Kamada and somebody yep. else. Yeah, we just talked about that. Yeah, so I want to see what happened with that. I want to see, and I I keep bringing this up every time we talk Larflees. Larflees is not a joke, guys. <laughs> He's got the entire power of a core in one dude. When Larflees showed up in Agent Orange, he was a threat. He wasn't a punchline. Mm-hmm. There was there was some funny stuff there, yes, but he wasn't a punchline. Agreed. I want to see. I want to I want to see Larfley's return to being a threat. Not to mention, there are several panels within the Agent Orange storyline where Larfley's has like a mountain of orange rings, and I mean rings plural. Like I want to know the history of the Orange Lantern Corps. Who were all these rings made for? Like I want to see stuff like that. It's the the secret history of X or whatever. I want to see. Regardless of whether it's we're focusing on one core for three issues or we're doing it quarterly style where we get chunks of a story every issue, I don't care. I want the anthology series so bad because there is so many stories. And this is not like you're a Batman fan and going, well, there's a Batwoman story we can tell and a Batgirl story we can tell. Like There are almost infinite stories you can tell. In a lantern anthology series, when you have the emotional spectrum involved, and and that's the great thing with the, another great thing with the anthology is you can you can kind of you know research and development you know have people kick out stories and if it's popular it's good enough it can spin out into something else or you know be pulled into the main book it's it, like the old series in Ash I mean that's where I first learned about that character and I kind of dug him after that for sure and just one other thing to throw it out there because I don't know where there, where else I'd did it in naturally. I have an idea for a storyline. How Jordan is responsible for his actions as parallax. Because, and you, we can debate this, but I definitely want you guys to get your own ideas out there about what you want to see from these titles. But, and you can debate the merits of this specific idea, but to me, when Hal Jordan entered the central power battery, yes, he was possessed by parallax, but he was also possessed by the power of the guardians the power of the central power battery itself, and Ion. I think those other powers balanced out Parallax. And Parallax was more of a devil-on-your-shoulder whispering-in-your-ear kind of a thing. And the whole reason Hal's been off in space and tackling one crazy threat after the other and doing things occasionally out of character for him is because the guilt is weighing on him. That... He really knows he's responsible for that, and he's trying to push through it. And he feels guilty, he feels responsible, or, or whatever. I, I, we can debate that until the cows come home, but I think Hal is responsible for his actions as Parallax. And that would be a perfect excuse to bring him back down to Earth. 
Man, now, I could have sworn that's how it always was. I mean, yes, the, the influence was there, but at the end of the day, he was the main decision maker with all that until he, you know, died and went to the sun, which then upset the balance of everything. Now, I'm pretty sure it was it was he was responsible, like devil in your ear whispering up until he entered the power battery. Right. Once he entered the power battery, that was all parallax. Because that's when the entity went in him. Yeah. Because of because that's, because that's why you had that, which was, and we talked about this too. One of the cool, I gotta stop saying that because we've talked about everything. We've been, we've been doing a thousand episodes. <laughs> <laughs> that when in rebirth, when one of the coolest things about you know back when Jeff Johns retcons didn't really start bothering people in mass, when you had that. Ver- when you had hit th- that version, that version of the panel, when the first appearance of Parallax without the cape, when he's holding his hand up, and you have it in Rebirth, when you kind of see the Parallax entity kind of hugging him almost, and he's almost like stroking his chin. It's really that's kind of like a symbolic gesture because because the only because Parallax would have had to have gone in Hal when he was in the power battery. That's the only way he would he wouldn't have known it because because you've already seen how Parallax goes into people. You know what it's going in you. So the only way he wouldn't have noticed would have been with all the crap that was going on when he was absorbing the central power battery he wouldn't have thought twice about it but I the only it never be an interesting story and maybe who knows maybe with with, with the Green Lantern 4950 thing they're going to do maybe we're going to kind of see it see some of maybe how Hal has how Hal feels about what he's done as Parallax now confronting himself again uh, theoretically confronting himself for the first time since he actually knew what you know what was the true cause of his downfall I don't think they'll ever. I don't think they'll really do something like that, though, because it because the whole. Well, point... I'm not saying I'm not saying they will. I'm no, just I saying know. that's what I would like to see. And I think for me, that would be a perfect reason to bring him back down to earth. You know what? What was hard traveling heroes about, if not, you know, having Hal become reacquainted with with Earth and the problems facing humanity. You've had your head up in the clouds. Come deal with this down here. It's not as black and white as you think it is. I think it's the same thing there and. You wouldn't even nec- – yeah, that's intense, but just because of how – you wouldn't have how, like, atrocitous soapboxing things and, like, dwelling on it and stuff. He would be weighed down with the guilt, but he, he's – and I, I don't remember the storyline very fondly, but you guys remember when uh, the Superman grounded storyline where Superman started walking across <laughs> the earth or whatever? Well – Hal Jordan grounded, not necessarily not being a hero, not doing his thing, but kind of reconnecting and rediscovering who he is as a man while still being a hero, but as a man, as a family man, as a boyfriend or whatever he is going to be, as a test pilot. God, when was the last time we saw Hal in a plane? Like, isn't that a core character thing of, of Hal Jordan, Daredevil test pilot? Like, he's... You know, when you when when you pitch out a an origin story or whatever, what's the first thing you see to establish him as a guy capable of overcoming great fear, <laughs> flying out in an experimental test test plane? Like, where the hell has that been? It's a big part of his life. It was a part of his father's life. Where is that? There's so many different things. You know, that's why I'm going to be buying multiple issues when the sonar story line comes up because, forgetting the whole renegade thing effing sonar guys <laughs> like where when have we gotten like sonar and uh the shark and like where are these other characters that we saw in the silver age like he had a rogues gallery it was fairly ridiculous but he did have a rogues gallery so 
where are those characters? That's 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 kind of what I want to see. I just want to see. I want to keep the emotional spectrum. I want to keep the cosmic stuff. But Hal, in particular, of any of the lanterns, Hal needs to come back down to Earth. That's that's my main takeaway of all the ideas I've thrown out. Hal needs to be on Earth. But that's just me. Go ahead, Corwin. What do you think about where where the book should go, books should go? What you'd like to see? What what you'd like to see? Um, I kind of commented on it a little bit earlier. I'm after everything Johns did. I'm I'm pretty open to things. I, I definitely can say some things they've done lately haven't worked, but kind of hard pressed to see to say what they can really do to fix it besides focusing on certain characters more and just being consistent. I mean. Other than that, the sky's kind of the limits. Uh, we we they can do a little bit of everything. I mean, we need some get some sci-fi back in there, heavy sci-fi, and like you guys said, how back on Earth. I I really don't have any concrete things, but they need each individual book. They need to go ahead and bring back core, put them in the same universe, let them have their adventures, like you guys were saying, throughout the whole space sector. Put Hal on Earth if you'd like, make him interact with other characters, but. It just seems like they don't have a real focus for the family of titles yet. It's a good point. Myron? Well, you know, I, I think the first thing I'd want to see, and I, I kind of agree with, with Chad a lot, The I want to see Hal back in Sector 2814, not necessarily just on Earth. You know, a, a fair mix of Earth stories and space stories. Uh, have him in Sector 2814 and in the Justice League. Uh, I'd like to see a better creative team. Not that I dislike what Robert Venditti's doing, but... I'd like to see someone who's got a clear vision about what they want to do and maybe revisiting some of the things of old. I mean, we did see the shark during the beginning of Jeff John's run. We're going to see sonar now, maybe revitalize and reimagine some of those you know, original characters that were in his rogues gallery. Uh, pull, pull in when you're going to do something with the entire line, have Hal rejoin the green lantern Corps for a big event story once in a while. But then, as Chad said, I'd like to see Guy and John in a Green Lantern Corps book. Um, Baz, I, I, I'll, I'll go on a limb and say I'd just as soon they get rid of Baz, quite frankly. Did uh, they I already think, do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know, I mean, officially. <laughs> uh, yeah, he is in, in the last issue of Lost Army, and who knows what yep. he's going to do after that. But uh, I think the problem that sometimes we have with the Green Lantern universe is. You know, I think I talked about it at the beginning of the episode. It's kind of like a sine wave. And when things are really popular, it's like, hey, let's give people more rings. And then when it winds down again, it's like, well, now we got too many guys with rings. I, I think Simon Baz was created when we really didn't need another Green Lantern from Earth. I'd just say just soon get rid of him if we had to get rid of somebody. <clears throat> and and for Kyle, I'm not sure what I would do with Kyle. Um you know, I, I've heard a lot of fans say that Kyle was best when he was on Earth and he could interact with Radu and you know, he was a very much of a human character. And when he's out in space, he loses some of that. But at the same time, he's been elevated to a point now where he needs something to do on that cosmic level. I kind of liked something we saw in that whole Future's End story where – and we, we on the podcast of what called him Space Jesus. <laughs> but, but you know, something, something along those lines where he, he goes out there and he uses his power – from the white lantern energy to use that, you know, he, he's now driven that way. He's no longer a green lantern. He's something more. He's evolved beyond that and let him be that and give him a book where he goes out there and tells very human stories in space. Uh, give him a supporting cast of some kind, whether that be the rest of his, the white lanterns. I, I think there's a lot of potential there that's untapped. I, I don't think the Sinestro core book is going to, or the Sinestro book is going to stick around. And I think that's fine. I think the problem sometimes you have with, 
Sinestro. I think he's such a great character, but he can be overused and he lose lessens his impact when he's used all the time. So I, I think if you kind of got him off the stage a little bit and let him conspire off where he is in the, in the unknown for a little bit after Colin Bunn gets done with him and, and leave him that way for a little while. But, uh, you know, I, I think I, I, I want on a limb. I think that we're going to see a new creative team on the Green Lantern book by the end of 2016. That's probably true. I, yeah, I, I, I it's true too. Yeah, I, I think once Edge of Oblivion is over with, that that's that's going to be when the universe Green Lantern universe of books changes. Just because I think that's going to bring the Green Lanterns back into the, the universe, and at that point they're going to reestablish a status quo. The new uh, era. Yeah, a new era essentially. And I'm not sure who I want to see on the Green Lantern book. I'd love to see Ethan Van Skyver do a monthly book, but I don't know as if he can. We'll see how Edge of Oblivion comes out with him. Mm. Uh, I I really enjoyed the Tom King and uh, Doc Shaner Dark Side War one shot. Yes, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, I, I thought that was spectacular, and I I think Jeff King might be a good guy to write the main book, but I I don't know whether he's going to be doing a lot of DC stuff or not, you know, because he's he's kind of straddling the DC Marvel fence. But I'd love to see him. I think he clearly gets the character. I'd love to see what he does with Hal. Uh, but I, I I think we're at a point where we we also need the anthology book, like Chad said, because there's so much of the universe that's unexplored, and I think one of the things that kind of hinders the Green Lantern core book is you get a, you've got a cast of thousands of characters and it's hard for readers to get emotionally invested in a character if they don't get enough time in the sun. And I think when you've got already, you've got John and guy competing for panel time. How does anybody else get enough panel time to really resonate with the reader? And an anthology book would serve a few purposes. One, it would allow you to introduce new characters and flesh out characters that are there now Two, it allow you to flesh out the universe a little bit more and it allow you to build the relationship and the dynamics between the core and spotlight the characters that are not wearing a green ring, but maybe they're wearing one of the other color rings. So I, I kind of want to see the universe stay with four books. Maybe one of them, just a quarterly book that's oversized like the old green Lantern core quarterly was. But I, I really want to see how in sector 2814, where he needs to be, I think he works well in these big stories. You know, when you saw him become the black lantern and during blackest night, those kind of event books, those are great for all these characters, and I want to see them intermingle. But at the same time, I think they need time apart to breathe a little bit more. So you just, that, you just probably named a good title, Green Lantern twenty eight fourteen. There you go. Yeah. The book. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I would uh, thank thank you for bringing that up. I, I I get so caught up in saying how on Earth I forget. I, I mean two eight one four mostly Earth, but yes two eight one four. Thank you for. <laughs> throwing that addendum in there. 284 is very important. <laughs> 2814, sorry. <laughs> you, you guys just sparked my enthusiasm back for the line. <laughs> I mean, I've been, you know, I've been reading and keeping up. It hasn't always been on the top of my stack either, but I, I keep up with it, especially Sinestro. But yeah, you guys, uh, these ideas we're throwing out, hopefully DC will make something out of it soon. Yeah, and let us write one of those anthology stories for giving you that idea. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. We we'll can, try our hand at scripting. We'll we show could, you how it's done. We could do a good one. We should one day we should still do a Lantern Cast comic and just try to cajole uh Daryl Banks to draw it for us. <laughs> Daryl likes us enough, he'll do he it. He probably would. He'll at least can draw us a at least he'll draw us a cover, that's for sure. Uh, uh before I go into some specifics and I'll try to keep it short, uh this is kinda of like a ethro you know ethereal concept, but I think this is what's really, I think, missing from the Green Lantern franchise 
which is ironic because we're talking about will. It's I think it's passion <laughs> that there isn't a lot of, and I and not necessarily just talking from a writing point of view, but I'm talking about from you know, the fans reacting point of view. What's missing right now is that there isn't that passion, that love, that interest in. I can't wait to see what happens next month. Or I have to run out and get that book today because I need to know what happens, regardless of getting the spoilers on the internet. I need to go get that book today and read it. And I think for the most part, that's really, really and – and to be fair here, that was also going down during the end of the John's run. There's no doubt about that. John's, you know – he, Myron pointed, about, pointed you know, this out too, and I agree. Everything everything is cyclical. I, and if, if we ever do the John's retrospective, you know, in my mind, it's like a, it's a three-tiered thing, kind of like the rise, the golden age, and the fall. And the end, you know, before John left, we were in, you know, we were in the lesser part of the John's era from a storytelling point of view, too. Maybe just because he was stretched too thin. Either way. But there is certainly an absence of that kind of passion. Enthusiasm. Yes, enthusiasm from either from a – not just from – now I'll turn it around. Not just from a fan point of view, but certainly during the golden, the, the golden age of John's, you, could, you knew he was passionate about what he was doing. Not everybody agreed with everything he did at every any at every given moment, but still the point was he knew he cared. He had a for the most part he had a plan, and he was carrying it forward. And he threw a lot of curveballs, and it was really interesting. And you wanted to see what was going to happen next. It's really hard, I think, as a fan to be passionate right now about what's going on. And so, and again, some of that was going to happen regardless. Once you got past past the Sinestro Corps through Blackest Night era, there was going to be a natural letdown, so there was always going to be. But I think it's certainly palpable, I think, the difference now, even between Wrath of the First Lantern, how Wrath of the First Lantern kind of began strong, ended strong, the middle not so much, but there's a, there, there's a difference. And I think it's hard to put your finger on exactly, and maybe we have touched upon it. If you get, if you get a writer who's got a clear vision or a creative team of, for the entire you know franchise that has a has a clear vision of where they're going, and they're passionate about what they're about what they're doing, and they really they know what they're, they know the material, they know where they want to go. I think some of that will come back, but I don't. I do think if there was going to be one overall critique of the right now of the overall franchise, with Sinestro book being kind of the exception, there's just doesn't there's that's that's lacking. I think that's lacking. Most of the specifics, I think we've. Yes, there should be an I agree an anthology book or or a book about you know tales of the cores. I think that I think that would be something that would be pretty good. Uh, I'm not a fan of Baz either. The only thing that could make Baz interesting, I think Chad touched upon it, if he teams up with Hal, because of the fact that Baz is only interesting from the point of view that because when the when Hal slash Sinestro's ring went went to go look for him, they found somebody who was a combination of both of them. <laughs> That's the only thing that kind of makes Baz somewhat interesting is that he has pros that he has some Hal traits and some Sinestro traits in him. That, that so that could be worth exploring, even from a point of view of interacting with Hal and Sinestro. That that you know, like Bal, Bal, Baz is kind of like an amalgam of of those two. So that could possibly be interesting. I think they need to you know shit or get off the pot with the Templar Guardians. I mean, not that we've really, not that they've been a factor for like half a year now, it seems. But either they're going to be Guardians now and come back to Mogo slash Owa, whatever the hell is going to be the center of the Green Lantern Corps when they come back, or whatever. But I think they need to do something with them, just like I think Ganthan and Sade need to come back onto the stage because it's been a couple of years, I think, now since they've been gone. I think it's time they come back. Uh, 
yes, I wish they would do something with St. Walker, either in an anthology book or not. And that the one good thing about the thing about the bad thing that's going on in the Sinestro book regarding St. Walker is that if they do finally, un, whatever the hell they put him through, if he gets to the point, assuming, again, he's not brainwashed, but they uncover enough about his ring where kind of what was hinted at in the Star Trek thing, that that we find out that, yes, the blue ring technically is capable of working of supercharging any ring and also working off of any ring that then St. Walker could eventually be kind of cooler because then he could be, you know, he could be on his own and be a little more powerful as long as there was some emotional energy around him and he could team up with so many, with any other core member of it, you know, and he could, and he could be, it could be interesting. What was the other color that they did supercharge? They did it. Indigo. It was indigo. Okay. Which makes sense because you would. They're close. Yes, it's close. Uh, Another, yeah, the other, and so, yeah, so that was, that, that's not, see, that was, again, it's not really a retcon, and I like that, because it's kind of, like, touched upon the idea of there's default powers to the rings, like Chad mentioned, having a, having a Bible about what these rings can do and can't, that there are default features for rings that they're automatically turned on, which is why Kyle couldn't help but supercharge Green Lanterns during the War of the Green Lanterns. I always believed, and I still believe, if he knew how the hell to use his ring better, if it was St. Walker, St. Walker could have corrected that problem. He could have not, he could have depowered, because he kind of hinted in the first appearance with Hal that, you know, that, you know, as long as he continues to hope, you know, basically your ring is going to be supercharged, and, and I will always continue to hope. But that almost, to me, automatically implied even then that if he, that if he really needed to or wanted to not have his ring supercharged, he could do it. So I think there's, so I think that there should be some – and that's one of the things I didn't like about – and Chad and I talked about this too regarding, I think, St. Walker, that seems to be a crutch now that because you keep being able to uncover more and more powers of what of what rings can do, you know, it could be overly convenient. Kind of just like we talked about the relic tech. Now that the remnants of relics tech is all throughout the universe – every every a hole under the sun seemingly is able to get a piece and you know and and, and able to uh you know reverse engineer it so it works yeah. for them. that's that's a crutch and that and that's and that's not, that's not good uh i'm trying to think if there's anything else on my list that i didn't that i didn't i didn't touch about touch on oh it's regarding lanterns that you know lanterns that we care about creating lanterns that we care about then they do create lanterns we care about like Jeruk, and they freaking kill them off in a useless way <laughs> I like Jeruk. They could have freaking killed Baz off, for God's sake. <laughs> okay, I think I'm done. <laughs> well, let me uh, – I actually have to dip out, so let me say my goodbyes right now, and I definitely want to thank you guys for having me on. Anytime, Corbin. You're always welcome. Yeah, no problem. Before you go, you want to plug specifically your show so you can tell people where to find you and stuff like that? Oh, most definitely, most definitely. Um Listeners can just find me on EarthsMightiestPodcast.com. You'll see links there to all three shows. Uh, EMP is all about the Avengers. EMX is all about the X-Men. And Work With The Podcast is all about Deadpool. Um, we had our fifth anniversary from Work With The Podcast not too long ago. So we've been surprisingly at that for a very long time. Um, but yeah, that's it. You can check me out on Twitter at EMPCast. You know, every time I see some big Green Lantern news, I always try to copy you guys and Myron on there. So, you know, listeners can definitely find me there. Uh, I promise I'll try and make your show at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Not a problem. I know you've been trying for a while. (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. And, uh, yeah, Mark, I got you on my crosshairs too. So Absolutely. We'll get you on one of these days as well. Myron, 
Nice meeting you, my friend. I'll be seeing you online still. Absolutely. You take care, my friend. All right. You guys have a good night. Thanks, you Corwin. Too. All right. Myron, you got any final thoughts before we wrap up this part of the episode? Only that, you know, um, we, you and uh, ourselves and, and a, a number of other websites did a great job promoting Green Lantern's 75th anniversary. So, uh, you know, brothers in rings, definitely, you know, with you guys. And, uh, you know, we, we have kind of the two main Green Lantern podcasts on the Internet. So I think, you know, I, I, I don't know how you guys look at what you're doing, but I look at it as I'm trying to be a good ambassador for the mythology. And it's sometimes tough to be critical of it when you're trying to promote it. But at the same time. You, you have to kind of be true to yourself at the same time. So, you know, as much as it's hard sometimes to, to talk critically about some of this stuff, we have to. And, uh, you know, I just think we, we provide something to the fans and, and I'm, I'm very proud to be a part of what we're doing. And I just thank you guys for letting me be on your show for a night. Very welcome. Myron. You don't need to thank us, but you're very welcome. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Thanks, thanks, thanks for coming on, and thanks for for all the things you do. You you beat us to the punch a few times, but every now and then we scoop you, like uh, <laughs> like uh, Earth One. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I have not heard anything about Earth One. So you know, other than there've been rumors for a while, but that's I, that's it. I, I've I heard, heard I heard it direct from a source. So. <laughs> is, is it is it going to be working on it or? Uh, one of one of is going to be on it. Cool. Cool. For sure. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. You know, sometimes it's hard to be critical. I mean, obviously, Mark and I are a little more free form because, you know, if if somebody wants to come on our show, they'll come on our show. You know, if they if if they have a grudge, against, a grudge against us because we said something bad about their title or something, then uh, I'm sorry. But, you know, just 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 like this, this episode in here, you know, it, it really shows we're, we're, we're fans of the character and without being legitimately critical of the things like more consistency, like a Bible of what the heck these rings actually do. Um, like, you know, how should be on earth or something like that with, with, without throwing out ideas and saying what we like and what we don't like, eventually these things will stagnate and then people will lose interest in our favorite character. Right. So it, it all comes from passion. Yes. Yeah, Exactly. Without being critical, there is no development. You know, there is no, you know, you, you can only like something forever, you know, like the Jeff Johns run. It could only have been great for so long before people went, oh, I want to see something different. Right, it's a, right. It's a, it's a critical eye that gave us something new. So, you when know. It goes, you, back to the, it goes back to that whole cyclical nature is, is nothing stays great forever. Exactly. No, everything, sure. everything, everything that rises falls, so... It, and we knew. Well, it. I mean, you, and that's like we, yeah. It's like it's unavoidable. So no matter how good the the, the best parts of Jeff Johns' run, you know, was, we knew it was gonna, you know, we were gonna. Or as pop, maybe moving beyond the writing aspect, as big as Green Lantern became, let's say, in pop pop culture, and how important Green Lantern became in the DC universe as a force, and the stories being told about the core and how became so dominant and predominant, we all knew as much as we loved it. That that was not going to last forever. Right. So right. And it's which makes the fall even worse in a way. At least when we get to where we are now, because it just it seems it was a long time ago, but it, it just seems like you know the build up, you know, the march to blackest night, on some sometimes doesn't seem like it was that long ago when, you know, all the new cores were coming out and people were brushing to buy the shirts and the decent the the Comic Con exclusive Hal figures and all that stuff, and now it's like. 
but like Chad said, overall, when it comes, we would hope anybody wouldn't choose, you know, the people wouldn't choose not to come on our show because we are, you know, too critical. Because I think both Chad and I really try to be objective. We may be passionate, but we're, I think we're, we try to be objective, and we're certainly willing to listen to, you know, someone. If they, maybe there's something that we're not quite seeing or an angle, you know, they can give us their point of view, and we might go, okay, well, that makes a little more sense. So we're always willing to do that, but you know right. we do. But we do have our opinions, and it's it, I, it wouldn't be fair to the listeners or the fans to make it sound like, oh yeah, this is like just to continually making it sound like this is great, this is great, this is great. When deep down we're like, wow, it's like you know, maybe if we didn't have to do this for the podcast, we wouldn't be buying be buying this anymore, you know? <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, we, we've had similar conversations, and you know, it's it's it is a fan you you really relish those times i mean i mean i've like i've said before i've been a green lantern fan for about 40 years so i've never seen the character as popular as it was during the road to blackest night and all those things and you really revel those moments and now we're kind of in that point where it takes shows like like the lantern cast and the podcast of oa to be the beacons of enthusiasm for other fans and to keep that enthusiasm alive until we get to that high mark again for sure you, like you said, you know nothing. I, I'm gonna throw us completely off track just because he's my favorite poet. And the, 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 the you, you said uh, nothing can stay great forever. That reminded me of Robert Frost. For anybody oh, who, yeah. who've, who've read The Outsiders, the, you know, nature's first green is gold. Her heart is you to hold. Her early leaves a flower, but only so an hour. I think it was like then leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief, so dawn goes down to day. Nothing gold can stay. <laughs> Nothing gold can stay, guys. And it makes our job harder, though, because the fact that, you know, in a way, that Chad, you you both actually, it makes my job harder because I wasn't there during the gold, during the, really the golden age for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But overall, it makes, as a whole, kidding aside, it makes our job a little harder now because, because it obviously was a, it was a lot, again, coming back to the, the main word, passion, that it was a lot easy to be, like, Chad and I were pretty passionate about, you know, to set up and build up towards this episode. And I think most listeners can tell the episodes that we're really passionate about as opposed to ones where, you know, either one or both of us are not as passionate about. But obviously Threshold. Was, yeah. But we had fun with Threshold, even though the material sucked. <laughs> but we had fun with it. So we kind of, you know, but the, but we, but it's harder now because back then, obviously, when you're, when you're doing Blackest Night, when you're doing Rage of the Red Lanterns, the material is just so interesting and and you're looking forward to it so much. It's like it, it just comes across. It's good. It's good material, and it just makes you think, and it makes you wonder what's coming next. That's kind of like where, like we mentioned, where we are now. It's, there's not that kind of passion, so it isn't as easy to go. It isn't as easy to go through and to you know carry the banner into battle for for Green Lantern. But but all three of us do our best. <laughs> That's right. That's right. How we can do, you know. And it's it's. I mean. I promise I'm not being ageist, but it's it, this is this is why it's important to have people like me and people like you guys on the air. Mark, you've been reading since you know the uh, you know the, the Kyle Rayner era run. Myron, you said you've been reading for 40 years. I've only been reading since Rage of the Red Lantern, so it's it's good to know that I throw out an idea like Hal being back on Earth. And in, you know, doing a, a emotional spectrum anthology series and someone like you guys backs that up and going, actually, that's a good idea because a lot of people would listen to someone like me who only came in at the John's era and go, oh, they're just bitching because they don't, they, they miss John's. They want the John's era of Greenlander and that's all they want. 
they want that back. No, that's not what I want back. I, I may have started with Rage of the Red Lanterns, but I went back and read everything. <laughs> like, I've got Golden Age archives. I've got Silver Age archives. I've got Green Lantern and Green Arrow. I've got... I've got a ton of stuff. I know what happened, and I know what was good, and I know what was what was what was horrible, and I can see the cyclical nature in these titles. So it's good to have people like you guys, you know, come on an episode like this and give us your ideas of what you feel is missing from the Green Lantern universe and what could be injected in it to bring back more enthusiasm. Because if it was just people like me, we get criticized of as you know just being john's apologists and wanting to have john's do it forever which is not the case you know there you've got so much more experience and so much more um uh, history with these characters that you can see this and go there there's a point to what this person <laughs> is saying so thanks for backing me up <laughs> <laughs> and, if, and if it makes you feel any better chad we also know that there's a, as as many people who you know really really like the Jeff Johns run as a whole, there's still a lot of people that are at this point, that even there's still, no matter, the book, the book could drop down to like number 175 every month and they still would be happy just because Jeff Johns is not writing it anymore. <laughs> there's a certain percentage of the, of the fans out the, that became such, land, either they were always Johns haters or became Johns haters. They were just, that, just the mere fact that he's not writing the book makes them happy no matter what else. But, so. I, 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 for, from now on, I'm just throwing it out there, guys. The, the people who don't like Jeff Johns adamantly and his run on Green Lantern, I suggest we call them the paling. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like the emotional spectrum. You, you touted yourself as being a strong member of Heat. So when was the last time we had a big division of, uh, of uh, Lantern fans? It was the Heat, the whole Heat thing. So well, The new thing now is the John Stewart fans versus the Hal Jordan fans. Oh, for the for the movie roles the and movie, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the big thing now. Mm. Which is funny that the movie's supposed to start filming what in 2016, the first Justice League movie, and they still haven't friggin' told us who Green Lantern is. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's crazy. Which doesn't bode well because maybe he's not even going to be in the movie or just show up to, at the end of the first part. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's that's the current rumor is he shows up at the end of the first one. But oh, who knows? I I hope we hear something soon. For sure. Well, Myron, before we let you go, do you want to go ahead and uh, tell people how they can find your various uh, contributions across the Internet? Sure, sure. Uh, website for the blog of OA is www.blogofoa.com, and you can find the podcast there. You can find it on iTunes. And on Twitter, I'm blog of OA. I'm consistent. And uh, on, on uh, YouTube, you can find me under blog of OA there as well. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, thanks so much, Myron, for coming on. We really appreciate it. And couldn't have picked a better episode to to have you come on and, and talk about this stuff with uh, with us. We definitely uh, knew from the get go we didn't want to do this without you. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, we got to do this more. You yeah, know, like, yeah, we should. It was actually it was a, as Chad and I kind of suspected it was going to be. This was a really really fun episode. Yeah, we got to do some podcast team ups. You know, Absolutely. for sure, for sure. All right, all right. Thanks for coming on, Myron. We'll talk to you later. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Bye, Myron. Bye, bye. And we will be right back with a little bit of listener feedback. Sawate. 
My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Backroll for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Backroll and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spotlight, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history and determines whether they are hot or not, Reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't, and of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I have been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their Backroll Year One work, Brian Q. Miller on his Backroll run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the Backroll Spoiled, the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Batgirl to Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Babs lovers. Calabac, Tassad, it is I, Darkseid. I command you to listen to the Who's Who podcast. Uncover the powers and weaknesses of the Super Friends so that I may destroy them. Aquaman and Superman, Animal Man and Plastic Man, Firestorm and Nuclear Man, Batman and Hawkman, 2D Man and Hour Man. Who are all these people, man? They're all part of the DC. Who's Who? Ultra Boy and Booster Gold, Lightning Lass and Hippolyta, Phantom Stranger, Hedrick and Arisia and Woody Weeks. Hey, hey, hey. What? What about that one guy? What guy? Mr. Pretzel, Mr. Lipstick, Mr. Mitzelfuzzle? Mr. Mitzi's Pitlick? Yeah, him. He's also part of the DC Who's Who. Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe. Available monthly at Aquaman Shrine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher as part of the Fire and Water Podcast. Dinah Lance is a fighter, and her one-woman war is against the czars of crime, the frightened men who dread the blonde bombshell, otherwise known as Black Canary. Writer Robert Kaniger and artist Carmine Infantino created Black Canary in 1947. She debuted as a masked femme fatale that kind of skirted the law, but pretty quickly she evolved into a civic-minded crime fighter. She has mastered multiple martial arts disciplines in unarmed combat forms. Her canary crime, when properly focused, is powerful enough to punch a hole through a wall. Black Canary has, in one form or another, been part of multiple incarnations of the Justice League, the Justice Society, and Birds of Prey. I freaking fell in love with Black Canary, and I'm proud to podcast about her adventures in comics and television. Flowers and Fishnets, a Black Canary podcast. Twitter! Tweet, tweet, tweet! 
Chicken Vindaloo is good to eat. My name is Scooter. I'll fix your computer. I'm a happening guy and a dope troubleshooter. When you call tech support, you'll be talking to me. I got more patience than Mahatma Gandhi. And emails. All right, guys, and we're back from break. Um, as that little ditty, as always, signifies, we are going to do some listener feedback. Uh, I let everybody know on Facebook and Twitter we're going to be doing this episode, and obviously we let them know way in advance we'd be doing this episode, but we uh, only got two bits of feedback. First, we have another pre-recorded message from Dan with his little diddly music in there. <laughs> Different diddly uh, music, I believe. And then we have a three-page email from Jesse to get into, <laughs> um, which is three pages because I printed it out, so I had it available for myself. What would an, ep- will... what would an episode be without the, without the email from Jesse? So it makes sense. It's probably like, That's right. It works well. Uh, so if you guys uh, are stirred to give us your comments on this uh, particular Subject matter. Uh, we definitely, as we head into the new year before you know uh, 2016 actually happens, I think it would be interesting to kind of consistently uh, receive some feedback from you guys before the end of the year on where you think the Lantern titles should be going. Kind of adding your voices into the conversation that Myron, Corin, and I, uh, uh, Corin, Mark, and I uh, just had. So sorry to leave you out there, Mark. I just, like, it's okay. <laughs> sorry. Uh, so, definitely send us an email, seven zero, uh, uh, lanterncast at gmail.com. And uh, we do have a voicemail line. Uh, the only caveat to the voicemail line is it's about a three-minute time limit. Um, so, definitely, uh, if you're going to leave us a voicemail, which we do would love to, for you to have, uh, and definitely do that for us. Uh, but we understand if, if your comments are longer than just three minutes – uh, if you have the ability to pre-record like Dan does, that would be awesome. Obviously, we're not going to play like a, a half-hour segment or something, but you know, if, if, if your thoughts are slightly longer than three minutes or something, definitely send those in. If they're shorter than three minutes, 708-LANTERN, and of course, again, email, lanterncast at gmail.com. But first up, we're going to go ahead and play this pre-recorded message from Dan, uh, and then we'll comment on it, and then we'll move into Jesse, and then wrap things up. So let's hear it from Dan. Hey guys, it's Dan. I couldn't make it on tonight, so I'm recording this. So, State of the Green Lantern Union. I talked already last time I sent in a recording about my feelings on the current state of things, but the quick version is I think the HAL book is fresh, unexpected, and kind of fun, Sinestro is pretty great, and Lost Army's bad, but ending so who cares, and let's just hope Edge of Oblivion is better. So the question of the day is where would I like to see the Green Lantern universe go? And I thought about this because the answer wasn't as obvious as it usually is. Usually I want to see a solo book, maybe taking place on Earth, a book about the core, and then one or more books about other cores doing their own thing. But there's a wrench thrown in there this time. Sinestro's book is essentially filling the role of a Green Lantern Corps book. It's telling the story of a Lantern Corps attempting to win over the universe and rise to the status of trusted protector and law enforcement, but with a tense and interesting twist on it since they're the bad guys. 
Granted, it wouldn't be the exact same thing, but I don't think we really need a Green Lantern Corps book about them also trying to win the universe over and become trusted protectors and law enforcement. Even if the Sinestro Corps has already succeeded by the time the Greens start. Still, it's a story you'll have to tell sooner or later, so what if we take a different approach? A Green Lantern Corps book that never presents the Corps as a large body, but as small groups taking on missions that are more grounded. About individuals, not the universe. Have the Green Lantern Corps forget about policing the universe and fighting wars and shift their focus to rebuilding their reputation one planet, one person at a time. St. Walker and Salak can work together to coordinate humanitarian aid missions, and lanterns can be sent out to handle things that'd normally be off their radar in favor of bigger fish. Remember a few issues back when Hal fought off those Thanagarian raiders and freed that port town? Imagine that if his backup was another lantern or two. Now imagine that's the kind of thing every lantern out there was doing. Stories can get more personal, be more character-driven than what we usually get, and be completely different from what the Sinestro Corps is doing in their book. Instead of having a second Green Lantern book that's a solo title, make it a totally different kind of team book from the others. Kyle Rayner, Simon Baz, and Guy Gardner go back to Earth. They all want a break from the universe being so down on them and decide to take the opportunity to get back whatever's left of their normal lives. Guy can reopen Warriors, Kyle can start drawing again, Simon can try to patch things up with his family. They can be there for each other when Guy's relationship with Ice flounders, when Simon's volatile standing with the United States government turns ugly, when Kyle has trouble readjusting to no longer being a god. I would leave the other cores off the table for a while, until the time comes to shake up the standing of the Sinestro Corps again. That's when the other color lanterns should come out of the woodwork after taking time to rebuild their ranks, to threaten everything Sinestro has achieved. It'd be some nice payback after that Lobo mess. One last thing I want to touch on before I go, because it's something I know you guys probably already went into. Lanterns being portrayed as less powerful than they should be. It's annoying and it's frustrating, especially as someone who spent the entire Kyle Rayner era being reminded twice per issue that a power ring is the most powerful weapon in the universe. I think the problem is, honestly, numbers. You can go all in on how powerful a single Green Lantern is when there's only one, because at the end of the day, there's only one. Once you've got tens of thousands of people flying around with power rings, and they're all that powerful, you just populated your universe with an unlimited supply of people with nearly unlimited power. That's a logistical nightmare in terms of writing stories around what all those people can do. So I think they scaled it back to compensate for the sheer number of lanterns out there now. 
The problem is that people who don't usually write these characters can very easily develop a misunderstanding and assume the powers are even more limited than their toned-down portrayal, so we get things like Lobo massacring lanterns left and right with zero effort. That's my two cents. I'll shut up now. Bye, guys! All right. What'd you think of that? I liked it. I thought it was... I I think... I, I actually agree with most most of his ideas. I would say the... The idea of the core... If there is going to be a Green Lantern core book of it being, again, more of a character book, character-driven book, smaller stories, as opposed to... Kind of the things we did like about the Van Jensen part of Green Lantern Corps, how they... Well, how they, how they, how we kind of essentially said they did in a way they did stuff we thought we wanted to see in the Green Lantern Corps book, but, but for some reason it probably didn't work. But maybe because it got stuck into the big overarching stories all the time. That yeah, I think it would be a good idea to have the, to do to do team ups, to do small, to do more character pieces. I think, and we kind of talked to you know during our suggestions of what we'd like to see. I think we mentioned that too. I think that would I think that would work. Related to the Sinestro Corps and the Green Lantern, you know, because of the status quo, who knows? Maybe when, maybe what we're going to end up as a stalemate at, in the, at the end of the day for a while. That you know, the Sinestro Corps has, maybe has established itself as a peacekeeping force that's accepted by half the sectors, and maybe half the sectors are still leaning toward the Green Lanterns. So maybe we're going to have almost like a divided loyalty thing in the universe. And and but I think I think. A book, regardless, focused on smaller stories with the core could work. Regarding the, I don't know about the, I don't know if I want to see Simon, Guy, and Kyle all together and not on Earth. No. I think, I think if they're going to do a core, if, if they're going to do a core book, a Green Lantern core book that's going to focus on two characters, I actually would rather see Kyle and Guy back together again because they had a really good chemistry. Guy and John, I guess, do, but they're, but they kind of maybe it's because they're so different in a way. Maybe that's what create could make the book work, but I think I would rather see Kyle and Guy teamed up again because it's been so long. They do act kind of like brothers when they're together. Yes, I, th- I, I, I that's one of the things I really liked about about the core book, the Green Lantern core book, like during the you know Sinestro Corps and Blackest Night time. So I think that dynamic would work. Uh, regarding something, and I kind of said this like two different times when we were doing. I just wanted it to be appropriate since Myron said heat, and it wouldn't be a really appropriate time to bring it up because. Uh, Dan talked about the idea of the, maybe why they have depowered the Green Lanterns. And this is going to tie into something Ron Mars, I believe, said back in the day when he was kind of like defending the elimination of the Green Lantern Corps. And the reason why I was going to mention this before was yesterday, I believe, on our day of, since we're recording on the 18th, I think the 17th was Ron Mars' birthday. So happy birthday, Ron. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday, Ron. I just didn't want to throw it out there. The, the heat thing was kind of like a segue, but not a segue Ron would have appreciated. <laughs> Uh, I think Ron said something along the lines that when you only have when you have so many Green Lanterns, it kind of weak in a way it it lessens the importance of their power because the fact that there almost inevitably would always be another Green Lantern who wasn't not doing anything who you could call for backup. So that reminded me of that when Dan was talking about maybe the way they you know depowered in a way they have to depower the lanterns because right now there's so many lanterns in the universe though of course who knows like how many greens are going to be back and you know when the core actually comes back how much the herd has been thinned but that could be that could very well be part 
part of the reason. I guess you could look at the other side of the coin and say, well, during the entire John's you know run again, that that really wasn't an issue. <laughs> so, but I think those 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 were my those were my initial thoughts. Um, why don't you t- why don't you pick up on something in case I missed a, a subject? He did. He, he mentioned the anthology, right? Yes. I yeah, think so. I, I think I I think I mentioned that yes the anthologies I think we almost all of us agree an anthology book whether it's ideally focusing on all the cores not just Green Lanterns but either way some form of anthology book even if it was Tales of the Green Lantern Corps we've you know some form of anthology book I think would be very very beneficial. Hmm. Yeah. And, and just just exactly. Uh, God, man, I don't I I don't remember if it was you or Myron or somebody who said it. Um, but, um, the, the, I, and I didn't even think about it until they brought it up. How are we supposed to care about these characters if they're not ever spotlighted? Right. Yeah. So that's a great point. That's, that's, that's a real logistic reason why we should have an anthology series. And when we get to Jesse's email, he says the same thing. (laughs) So you've got, Three different Lan- Green Lantern podcasters, myself, Byron, and Mark, all saying that Corwin, who's just a Lantern fan and also a podcaster, Dan, former podcaster, current reader and fan of the Green Lantern series, and when we get to Jesse, Jesse's just a fan. He's not even on a podcast. <laughs> like All of us want a Lantern anthology series. I would prefer – I would also love it if all of us also wanted Hal on Earth, but I'll take the anthology series. <laughs> if, if that's the win we get out of this, anthology series, please God. <laughs> See, I, I'm not against – I am i didn't really weigh in on it. I'm not against the Hal, on, Hal being on Earth or Hal being in Sector 2814, certainly. Yeah, I, I keep saying Earth. It's, no, but it, I, I, I do mean 2814. Yeah, 2814 is an easy – I think that's an easy sell. On Earth, to me, the only concern I would have would be in that level, if you were going to have a Lantern book really focused on Hal on Earth, which is, always reminds me of friggin' uh, the Spectre in Judgment Day <laughs> or Day of Judgment, <laughs> whatever the hell it was, that – because that was the working titles, Hal on Earth instead of Hell on Earth. Uh, the idea that – the only problem I would have with it would be then you would almost need a Green Lantern core book to tell the bigger stories of what the Green Lanterns are doing out there because how would be stuck on Earth. So you would exactly, need, that's, but that's yeah. what I said. We that's, yeah, I know. I'm just saying, but and we 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 still assume there's going to be another Green Lantern core book and launched probably after Edge of Oblivion. Uh, but Dan does raise a valid point. That's something that that was another point that he raised about the Sinestro core about in a way that the Sinestro core book has kind of taken over short term the need of a of a Green Lantern Corps book, and he's, True. and he's right. And it is a more interesting take on it. Plus, we're getting to see the beginning stages of how how a, a police force like that begins to establish itself, how it gains trust, how it also you – know, you know, may rule through fear by saying you don't screw with us or you're going to pay the price. But it also, as we saw as he was wooing St. Walker – the idea that we can also, you know, give and be generous and get and get them to basically love us as much as they fear us. So it's kind of interesting seeing that from the ground up, which we never really got to see truly with the Green Lantern Corps. Yes, once it gets restarted, you can make the case, but we still never saw the baby steps even after the Corps keeps getting restarted. So I think that is interesting. So I think that I think I think that's a good point by Dan. So I think that book certainly right now is just as good as a Green Lantern Corps book, 
even though the characters we don't care about nearly as much, except for maybe Sora and uh, maybe just Sora and Sinestro from an interest point of view. But all right, anything else about Dan's, Dan's uh, pre-recorded voicemail? I think now we touched on all his major points. All right, so Jesse's email: State of the Lantern Verse. No, it's the State of the Green Lantern Union. Okay, get it right. <laughs> Jesse can do whatever he wants to do, man. He can do it. <laughs> Speaking of doing whatever you want to do, <laughs> you just had to throw it in there, didn't you? Well, if you weren't going to let me, do, if you weren't going to let me do anything, I thought about reading the clothes in, in the Clinton voice, but it's all right; it doesn't matter. I think it would fit because the State of the Union, but you, but you can do what you want, Chad. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. So Jesse says, "Gentlemen and ladies, if there are any on the show, which segue, I would love to have like a a ladies." Night or something on Lanterncast? <laughs> I know that sounds super weird. But, but, uh, I know what you mean, though. But we don't hear from a lot of female listeners on this show. Like, I think we got Laurel yes, you know, I was thinking of an, Laurel. Epi- an episode or two ago, and I was really, really excited to get that because it was a girl was writing us. And I don't mean like, oh, my God, a girl's talking to us. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, I mean more of I wasn't aware we had a group of girl listeners out there at all, let alone – one let alone more than one so i know that there's a girl out there and i man i can't remember her name mark you might have stumbled across it in a google search of green lantern but there's a blog out there called green lantern butts forever or something like that have you heard about that i don't think or seen so. that in your wanderings on google i don't think so okay it's 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 a great it's a great blog uh and that's run by uh, a great woman whose name ex- escapes me at the moment but I'd love to, like, I don't know what the subject matter would be, but if we have any uh, female listeners, Green Lantern fans out there who would like to talk Green Lantern and maybe we could do a, you know, Women of the Green Lantern Universe episode. I don't, I don't know what the idea is, but I would love to have a, you know, have a group of women come on and discuss the Green Lantern Universe from their perspective. Uh, I mean, whatever that may be, I don't. I don't know what it is. If we want to talk women in refrigerators, if we just want to talk, you know, to a group of girls about the exact same stuff we always talk about, I have no idea. But I have no idea how it would work, but I think it would be cool. (laughs) Just throwing that idea out there. (laughs) But anyways, Jesse says, here are my thoughts on the state of the Lantern universe. I'm going to try to be brief, but you know me. (laughs) Yes, we do, Jesse. (laughs) We we prepare for this contingency. (laughs) In general. I'm enjoying all the Lantern books and tie-in books that I'm reading. The exceptions are Omega Men, which I dropped after two issues, and the Justice League of America, which I'm not reading simply because of budget. Sadly, the Lantern books are no longer at the top of my stack come new comic book day. That spot is now held by whichever Star Wars comic has come out that week. Darth Vader is my favorite title, but the Journey to the Force Awakens books are are close behind. Writers. I love Cullen Bunn on his books. I really like Robert Venditti and feel like he's really shining now that he's not beholden to crossover after crossover. I think that also held back Van Jensen. Van Jensen, I think GLC would have been better if he hadn't been writing crossover stories. Artists, I'm thrilled beyond words to have Ethan Van Skyver on Lantern Books again. I'm getting used to Billy Tan's art on GL, but I'm still not crazy about the way he draws Hal's face. Jesus Say is on Lost Army has been okay, but I don't like the way he draws Guy. I also like Dale Eaglesham on Sinestro, except for the way he drew Parallax. Brad Walker was okay too. I would love to see Tony Daniel on a Lantern book. 
I fell in love with his art on Deathstroke, and there have been several times I almost bought books solely because he did the cover. He's a pretty good writer, too. Maybe better than Venditti. So what do you think about that so far? Let's see. I think we agree, Cullen Bunn. Cullen Bunn, at least on Sinestro, we agree. We we like. Uh, (laughs) Lost Army, I think we're in agreement that that's not his best work. Uh, maybe it would just it would have been better just taking out all the flashback pages. Maybe it would still maybe we would have a different whole different interpretation of how that book came came out. Uh, let's see. We gotta, I'm not gonna say any more. Us, uh, Darth, Darth Vader Force. I haven't really read any of the Star Wars comics since they relaunched them in Marvel. Um, Brad Walker. Brad Walker is pretty good on Sinestro as an artist. Eagle Sham I like too. I thought Eagle Sham was really good. And I like obviously Van Skyver probably a little bit more than, than both. I let's see. We know not gonna touch the Billy Tan thing, that's like that's too easy. Uh I think and I do agree with his point about I don't know if I agree necessarily about his point about Venditti is shining now. I think because I think we come back to the same point where we like the stories that he's telling but they still have that little bit of filler feel. Mm-hmm. But I do think he's probably it's probably true that Van Jensen we really don't know what Van Jensen could have done with that book to be fair because the the, the basic plot of where that book was going was already kind of like plotted out by by Van Diddy certainly after uh the creative team shake up in the beginning when Van Jensen ended up getting that book that I think Robert Van Diddy had to kind of step in and start steering the ship because that was what, a book so I think Van Jensen would kind of, in a way, by the time he got eased into writing the book on his own instead of it being like co-plotted by Robert Venditti and him, I do think Van Jensen – there was good writing, I think, by Van Jensen, but the direction, I think he didn't have a whole lot of say in where to take the books because of that – you know, the Derwin thing. So I think that's probably true that he was held back by that. Yeah, I would agree with him about the Lantern books no longer being at the top of my stack. Um the exception to that being uh, Star Trek Green Lantern. Um, today, as we record this, Lost Army number six and Star Trek Green Lantern number five came out today. I wanted to read Star Trek Green Lantern first, but I was like, I don't know what kind of a taste that uh, Lost Army six is going to leave in my mouth. So I decided to read that first and then kind of, you know, do a palate cleanser of <laughs> of, of, uh, of uh, Star Trek uh, Star Trek Green Lantern. Um, Sinestro is kind of in that same vein. Um, as far as other titles that I'm reading that I'm excited about, I don't know. Um, Airboy just wrapped up over at Image. Um, Airboy is a James Robinson thing, is a four-issue thing that he was doing. It was extremely vulgar but extremely entertaining. Um, there, So there was that. Uh, no, man, I don't know what's going on, what I'm reading right now. I'll have to double check. Um, I know I'm, I know what I'm picking up, but I don't think I've read like Tokyo ghost. Number three came out today. I still haven't comprehended number one yet. Um, um, I did go to half price books the other day. Like I've been kind of in a back issue mood, but I haven't had the money for back issues. So, so it's, like uh, I was at uh, Killing Time at Half Price Books the other day, and I in the fifty cent bins I found several issues of Hawk World, 
and I've always heard great things about the Hawk World series, so I picked up some of those issues and stuff like that. But um, uh, I don't have anything right off the top of my head that's leaping out of me at the top of my stack. As far as the writers go, I agree with. As far as writers and artists go, I, I agree with most everything he said, though for sure. Yeah, they were good observations. Okay, he goes on. How? I like his current direction. Kind of a freelance space hero, stopping to help who he can as he searches for clues in the disappearance of the core. John seems like he's regressed a bit from the end of GLC, but I think he's the right man to lead the core. Guy, I don't know what's going on with him. Why does he have both green, uh, both green and red rings? At the end of Red Lanterns, he only had a red ring that he vowed to never use. Plus, he had a rage baby to take care of. Did he dump the baby off on somebody else? Kyle, I'm going to pretend that Omega Man is an alternate universe created out of convergence and completely ignore the crap that he's the crap way he's been characterized over there. That's why I dropped the book. It's like the writer had never read a Kyle story before and completely ignored the end of New Guardians. Kyle was a White Lantern with six deputies. Where did they go? Sinestro, Bun is perfectly capturing the Sinestro that I loved in Jeff John's early writing. Carol, I hear that Omega Men said she's dead. I'll believe it when, I, when it's said in a real Lantern book. St. Walker, I feel like he's got a raw deal over ever since Lights Out when he became Sad Walker. I'm curious to see what happens now that he's under Sinestro's boot. Anything about all that? I agree about it. I'm not reading Omega Men, so I, I find it hard to care all that much and I'm sure whatever happens in Omega Man is going to be conveniently rewritten or ignored when in, when when the time comes to bring Kyle back into the, the main fold anyway uh, yeah I'm not sure why Guy's got really why Guy has two rings uh, I don't I'm sure he did dump the baby off on someone probably his sister it's, Give it to the rage mother. <laughs> yeah, sh- the baby will show up. You wait. It's an ost- it, it's an ostrich. That's a new name. <laughs> it's a trost. It's a secret weapon to finally get the revenge since he keeps getting his ass kicked by guy. Uh, but I agree with Bun. Uh, we know I agree with the Saint Walker thing. So I I think that's yeah. He's also echoing a lot of uh, what we said about Sinestro. How he's perfectly capturing Sinestro second only to Jeff. So that's cool. Um, me personally, I, I agree. For the most part, I basically agree with everything uh, Jesse's saying. Uh, if there's anything, I'll, I'll bring obviously bring it up. But <clears throat> moving on, the Greens—they're off on their own in another universe, struggling with the wibbly wobbly, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey implications. It's interesting to see Relic's universe. I'm sad that Druk was killed. I'm worried that Two Six might also not survive. I really, I don't really like this new empathetic shapeshifting lantern or whatever he she is. I love the way Cullen Bunn has been using Badge. He's more than just the squirrel in the background. I saw one of the covers for the next series, and I guess Simon will be back soon. I'd hoped he was whited out in some <laughs> sort of universe reset by convergence. Oh well, maybe the next writer can make him interesting to me. The Reds, there's no way Lobo should have been able to take down Rancor and the other Reds as easily as he did. It pissed me off when he killed Dexstar. I'm interested in the Rage Mother. I think it was kind of a cheat to have Lobo kill them all just to bring them back through the Rage Mother's quote-unquote magic. The Yellows? I like Sora in the Sinestro book. I like the interplay between her and her father. 
I'm a little annoyed by the way Bun is writing Lysa as a whiny and as whiny and jealous. The other yellows are characterized very well. The Indigos, sad to see Monk ripped apart. Glad to see Indigo One survive by using her powers to escape. The Star Sapphires, wonder what they're up to these days. <laughs> Larflees, I'd like to know what happened to him after Godhead. Last time we saw him, he was curled up in a ball, seemingly mourning the loss of his ring. But did the new gods really take his ring? Wasn't there a whole pile of orange rings in his lair way back during the Agent Orange storyline? Yep, there was. <laughs> and if I were to rate the books with significant lantern involvement, Green Lantern is a B minus, Lost Army is a C plus, Sinestro is an A minus, Lobo is a B, GL Star Trek is an A, Justice League Dark Side War A plus. This is the best DC book I'm reading right now. I like how they've done the Hal Power Ring interaction. Hal's kind of acting as a mentor to her. Omega Men F. Well, the first two issues anyway. Justice League of America, I haven't been reading it, so I can't grade it. I feel like I'm forgetting something, dot, dot, dot. One last thought. Now that the multiverse is fully back on the table, an anthology book of Green Lanterns from the various universes, Alan from New Earth 2, the Lanterns in Multiversity, etc., would be cool. Well, I guess I wasn't too brief after all. <laughs> <laughs> Want to react to that? Sure, let's go back up to it. Let's see. Do, 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 do. We know how I feel about Jeruk. Yeah, I would worry about 262. I, think Bat- I can't. Okay. I can't really speak to that since I know what happens to her in number six. Oh, and I guess we can't give away too much since we really haven't reviewed those issues yet. Regardless of it being a sport, not really even worrying it, from, worrying about it from a spoiler point of view. But technically speaking, we'll be de- going into that in detail when we do the the November books. Uh, Lobo, yes, I we pretty much agree with those sen- sentiments. I do. Sora, yes, I think Sora is coming across. And she's being drawn very well, especially by Van Skyver as well. You're seeing more, I think you're seeing more of Sora, of Sinestro in Sora, I think. So I think that's kind of kind of cool. Yes, again, about Monk, agree. Indigo 1, agreed, even though, again, it comes back to what Chad and I talked about. It makes you, it almost makes you think Sinestro did this on purpose, kind of giving uh, Lobo a mixed itinerary and dossier on, and the indigos can, since teleporting would be probably the most important power other than letting them not not letting them get an indigo ring on your on your own finger other than that teleportation probably would be the one you really we should know about we've talked about yeah the star sapphires are se- seemingly would be due to make some kind of appearance since we have no clue what they're up to i think they did show in in godhead them actually taking lord Feast's ring that's very easily which kind of was a pain in the ass and, and was bull, was bullshit more than Pain in the ass, sorry. If I'm going to swear, I might as well get it right. But yes, we know there's a huge pile of other orange rings, so why Lore Fleets couldn't theoretically just grab another ring? Uh, let's see, Green Lantern B-, minus. that's probably about right, give or take. Uh, Lost Army, I still would be a little kinder to Lost Army, probably would give it at least a, at least a B-. Minus. Sinestro, right, right around where it should be, an A-, minus. Flobo. For as long as this relates to the lanterns, I would say, yeah. Regardless of how I feel about what's happening in the book, how it's being presented, how it's being drawn, I think for the most part, I think it's a B. I don't think Star Trek is that is an is an A. I think it'd be a little less just because of the continuity problems. That's that's I would be fair. I'd have, have to rank it lower. I haven't read a minus for me. I haven't read any of the Dark Side War. Uh, I do want to get that one shot. Hopefully that's, they didn't sell out of that, the, the Hal one, or else I'll have to piggyback on yours. 
Yeah, we will be talking about that, guys, in the November Books episode. And Omega Man and Justice League, I've not read either. I think... I think we're all on board for any kind of anthology book. So if the, the anthology book covered Green Lanterns from other from other universes, that's 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 fine. I think that would be and in speaking of other universes, uh, again, I agree with everything he's saying here. By the way, I think Lisa, uh, Lisa, however you're supposed to say it, she's one of my favorite lanterns. By the way, I haven't, I don't think I've ever expressed that, and I I'm really curious as to what they seem to be doing with her. But like Jesse, I'm sort of like, eh. Not really feeling this, but uh, for me, with the what, whatever storyline they're trying to pull with Lysa, Lissa, whatever, um, I kind of feel like I'm in shit or get off the pot mode with that. Like, uh, just tell me what she's up to so that I can appreciate her little scenes a little more. Um, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. But specifically about the anthology series, the Alan Scott, great idea. You said the new. He said the new Earth two. I the original Earth two. The multiverse is back. So give me Alan Scott, like the real I mean, Alan Scott. <laughs> the real Alan Scott. Give give me the give me Alan Scott going up against the Harlequin and Grundy and I want to see all of that again. Hell yeah, Rose and Thorn. Yeah, give me all that stuff. I would love to see that. If the multiverse is back, why the hell not? Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, um. Anything else before we wrap that one up? No, we can go to the second part. Okay. So he sent us another email. He said, I forgot a very important part of the Lanternverse, the podcasts. <laughs> you love us so much, man. <laughs> so good to us. Uh, Lanterncast, love everything you guys are doing, even if I don't always agree with you. I love the spinoffs, too. You've inspired me to read things I would have just let slide otherwise, like the Spectre series. Way nice. to go, Mark. Nice. The podcast of Oa. Perk up, Myron. I enjoy listening to this one, too. I like hearing Myron and Bill's reviews as well. It's another look at the same subjects, and sometimes their opinions differ from Chad and Mark's. Just one of the guys. I know the show's technically over, but I'm only on episode 131, so for me, there's still plenty to come. Sean inspired me to go search out the Kyle Rayner run, Green Lantern, and the Guy Gardner book. I'm glad I did. Guy's book gave me a new appreciation for that character. I think the Ron Mars run on GL is some of the best ever. I'm looking forward to continuing to read with Sean through Judd Winnick's run and the Green Lantern Corps. When these guys post their interviews with creators, etc., I really enjoy them. Otherwise, I haven't seen much activity from them. When they were Green Lantern Spotlight, they were my first GL podcast, and that eventually led me to the Lantern cast. And he says, Jesse Stewart... Back in the USA, thankfully. <laughs> I guess he was what is he was like in Turkey, Turkey. or something? Yeah, yeah. Not, not a nope. Not that any place is probably a good place to be right now, but Turkey's still probably not a, that great a place. <laughs> it's a little a little too close to Iraq. So, but yeah, welcome back, Jesse. Thanks point. for the love, man. Yeah. Thanks for the love. He likes us. He really likes us. Yeah, I I love I love the uh, the just one of the guys shout out in there because guys, I would love to be covering the Green Lantern Kyle Rayner run and stuff like that on our show and all the guy gardeners like all the stuff that that uh, Sean covered on just one of the guys. But forgetting the fact that that is an ass ton of comics and just the fact that. Wow, like that would be 
first of all, with all the stuff we do normally on this show, it would be so hard to work in like another thing like that. But the only way it could possibly work is if we were like, there were only two lantern titles, like one or two lantern titles coming out monthly. And then we could add, you know, a retro review in there, you know, every month as well. But that's, that's not going to happen. So by the end of 2016, we might be able to do it. (laughs) Yeah. There's no way we'd be able to do it. I'd love to do it. But that's why that's why I keep shouting out just one of the guys because as much as I love I'd love to get to that material and yeah we cover chunks of it like we did Parallax View we did Future Shock you know stuff like that um, that would be that would be great to cover you know that whole series and uh, you know the Guy Gardner Warrior stuff and and all of that but it's just it's it's going to be so long before we ever get to cover all of that it's going to be ridiculous. That's why I keep shouting out just one of the guys because there's somebody out there who did a quality podcast consistently that was entertaining about all of that material. So if you're just waiting with bated breath for us to cover it, just go listen to just one of the guys. It's such a good show. But we probably, but it is, but we probably will be covering as as time goes on. We'll be covering different storylines back in the Kyle period. It's just. Like Chad said, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to just say, "Oh yes, we're going to like start with issue," even though we theoretically we've done issue fifty. But let's say we're going to start say we're going to start with issue fifty and work all way, you know work all the way up to the end of volume three. No, that's probably not going to happen. But we, we probably will continue to pick some really good storylines and storylines we like out of the out of the Kyle era and do that as you know one or two issue spotlights, depending because we both like that time. We both have so it'll. So I think it's fair to, for people to expect that. It's just that, yeah, we it's not going to be in mass and not going to happen. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, just just going off of you and me being on the show, ever since we came on the show, Emerald Twilight, Emerald Knights, The Power of Ion, Future Shock, Parallax View. Like, what else am I missing? There was uh, something else. Unho- we did. Unholy Alliances. Unholy Alliances. I mean, that's a lot of, I mean, it's only like six or seven episodes, but that's a lot of, that's a lot more Kyle stuff that, you know, Kyle type stuff that we did that we weren't doing before we took over the show. So we are getting there. Just- yeah. We, and we have, and we have fun. I mean, we both have, I mean, obviously different memories because we read the books at different times, but we both have, but we have fond memories of the time period. And plus, you know, we, we interact, you know, with Daryl and with Ron too. So I think, so yeah, there's no doubt that there's, there's going to be times, and you know, that's an that's, it's an era for different reasons for both of us, but it's an era that you know we both have ties to, so we're going to definitely want to revisit it, and it's one of those areas like, I think we're drawn to, especially when we're have some openings in the in the schedule. It's like, hey, is there something from the Kyle run that you know that we can that we can do? So you can expect more of that. I think that's a fair expectation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before we wrap up, we might as well mention it just because more people are listening. Um, there might there might be some this year. Don't know with the Christmas episode and Mark, you wanted to do another episode of your spinoff and, and stuff like that. I'm not sure what we have in the schedule, but definitely starting in 2016, if not a little bit sooner. Silver Age reviews are coming back. Um, not consistently. We're not going to do it like quarterly, quarterly where we have a schedule, but uh we definitely are going to be doing some Silver Age reviews um, of uh, of the Green Lantern comic from the 1960s. 
Uh, one issue at a time, please. We can only handle so much ridiculousness in one episode. <laughs> so that you've got that to look forward to uh, in the coming weeks, but definitely the coming year. So there's that. Uh, any final thoughts on anything we've discussed this episode before you uh, tell people how God, to reach us? God, we've covered so much tonight. It's kind of hard to just think if there's if there's anything anything that of you know, that it left out. It almost always is. We almost always think of something after we record, even if we record for like three hours. <laughs> but, uh, well, I guess what I would hope, and I, back to the same point, I guess, I would hope that going forward that something happens in the Lantern family of books anyway, or something, even if it's built on elements that are going on right now, just to bring a lot of the interest back, not from the fans, increase the passion, and also just to be, Give Green Lantern a higher profile again, back in back in the back in the DC universe. I mean, it doesn't have to go reach the Johns apex, but it would be nice to get somewhere to move on, move Green Lantern further up the chain again, because there was that nice little time frame when, other than the fact that being not you know I'm not politically correct anyway, but moving political correctness aside, there was that time frame probably around you know 2007 through 2009 that really the Trinity. In DC, probably really was Batman, Superman, and Hal, and, Green, and Wonder Woman. If she was con- really was included, still was only because she was female. But you know, Hal was that important to the D- and it was being used in such a fashion that he was a much more important character to the DC universe as a whole. And we we, we probably are never going to see that for a prolonged period of time. But it would be nice to see him at least be a little more relevant than he than he than he has been. I think in the last uh, two to two two at least the last two to three years. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I, I hope I hope you guys got a lot of this uh, out of this episode that it was constructive and fun and definitely you could hear our enthusiasm and everything. Um, for me, you know, if I had wishes, you know, three wishes for, for the Lantern universe in this episode. Um, yeah. The anthology series, how on earth sort of two, eight, one, four. And, uh, you know, bring back the Green Lantern rogues gallery. Now that I'm, you know, I, I mentioned it, but I've never really focused on it. Now that I've been thinking about it ever since we started talking about it, hell yeah, I want to see more sonar and the shark and stuff like that. It's going to be different. It's not going to be the same cheesy characters we saw in the 60s, but they put a whole lot of work into building up a rogues gallery before we made Sinestro the Yellow Cord leader and Star Sapphire the the, you know, Carol Ferris and all that that stuff, you know. Black Hand was one of the villains, but you know now that Sinestro and Black Hand and Star Sapphire have been sort of mined into this, you know, emotional spectrum, I'd like to see some of those older characters return. And uh, I think I think kind of you hit it on the head, Mark, when you mentioned passion. You know, we don't have to return to the glory days of, you know, Blackest Night level enthusiasm for Green Lantern, but it would be nice to. If it's not every title, have at least one Lantern title where we're like, oh, man, God, man, I can't wait till next month. You know, like I want to see – I can't wait to see what happens. I am I have no theories, but I'm pleasantly surprised every time they reveal something or whatever that may be. I, I think that – passion is a great word. And to be fair, again, defending the current run a little bit, there have been some issues in which personally I have felt – very interested or passionate about, as in looking forward to seeing what was going to happen. 
I mean, for, not and it doesn't mean that always met my expectations, but I remember like the last part of Lights Out I was looking forward to, the last part of Godhead I was looking forward to. So there's there have been some el- there have been some elements of that, but it's not consistent and it just doesn't seem to yes it it doesn't instill a lot of passion across the board. One thing before I wrap up because I just you, you were talking and it jogged my memory about I, about what was what was said. I think probably was Corwin who said it about Sinestro about you know the Sinestro probably should once the Sinestro book wraps up he probably should disappear off st- you know exit stage left. That it probably that's probably a good idea, especially because we've gone from the end of the John's run where Sinestro supposedly disappeared, you know, or he was saying he was going to disappear. You weren't going to hear from me anymore, and then and now now he's like now now he's like on on, on every uh, billboard across the universe. <laughs> so I I think it would be good to at some point for and of course it depends how that all plays out. But I mean I like reading the Sinestro book. And I think they came up with a plausible way, like we mentioned at the time, for get him getting back into the game, quote unquote. But yeah, I think just like Black Hands, and just it, it would be nice for the some, you know, for some of these characters to be off, you know, be off the board, be off the board for a while. If he still existed in his current form, it'd be great to have Cyborg Superman back, because he's been off the board for a long time. But we know he doesn't exist in his current form. <laughs> Well, maybe not off the board, but shuffled into the anthology series. So we. Oh, don't, oh you know. yeah, yeah, that could work too. But I mean, yeah. but yeah, especially if it was, let's say for the sake of argument, let's say if, especially if it wasn't a story like going on right now, if it wasn't, wasn't a current continuity story, something you didn't know about Sinestro, that would kind of work too. But yeah, I think it would be good if, and some other characters, you know, be, be, even besides Saint Walker, it would be good to see some other characters maybe get their get a little spotlight on them that been that have been overlooked. So we'll, but we'll see. An anthology book is absolutely something I think almost everybody agrees that would be a really, really good idea, so for sure. All right. That's gonna wrap it up for this episode. Mark, do you want to go ahead and tell people how to reach us? Absolutely. Uh, email us, lanterncast at gmail.com. Lanterncast at gmail.com. Visit our website, lanterncast.com, get our uh, can get our episode reviews, Ring Cyclopedia episodes, Dark Star reviews, latest news and updates, along with our, obviously on Facebook, you get a lot of that too, probably a little bit more on the current news flow, but still, you can follow us there, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, you can use hashtag GLCast to find us on all of those, we are on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you're listening to us on one or both, please leave us positive reviews. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call us at 708-LANTERN, 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. Not just our regular listeners, but everybody who came over from the blog of OA, podcast of OA, uh, and uh, Corwin shows. Um, uh, thanks uh, to Myron for coming on again, and thanks to Corwin. Uh, and again, another shout-out to Sean. Wish you could have been here uh, uh, talking with this buddy, but uh, feel better. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you on in the future. So uh, we'll talk to you guys later. And uh, thanks for listening. Good night, everybody. Good night.